What's going on, fellow A-plusers? It is I, your host as always, Adam Perez, back once again with a brand new episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, television, and movie news, streaming live for you guys over on our YouTube page today. You can also catch us over on Facebook Live, as well as streaming live over on Twitch for you guys as well. Uh, if you are listening to us over on Spotify, it's always fantastic to certainly have you guys here as well. Uh, I know we don't go live on Spotify but we usually do go ahead and drop these episodes for you guys uh, either later on that evening or the day after. So wherever you're certainly watching us from, guys, thank you so much for wrapping up your weekend properly with us as we've got some amazing topics today. While we don't necessarily have the full crew, I certainly thought we were going to have the full crew today, but even though we don't have necessarily the full crew, good old Stuart Branscombe is certainly back uh, here this weekend, guys. So I'll go ahead and break down all these topics and give us his point of view. It's good to see you, man. I, uh, you know, I went solo dolo last weekend. I usually don't mind carrying the ship by myself, but it's always great to have somebody opposite, you know, like I'll sit here and do all this talking for 10, 15 minutes. And then it's just like, huh? all right, I guess I'll just move on to the next one, you know, so I always like having somebody else's point of view on here as well. So it's good to see you, buddy. How you been, Stuart? Oh, I think you're muted. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been really good. Uh couldn't make it last week because I ended up going to AEW uh, Revolution and uh yes. what's funny is uh I I remember I messaged you saying, "Hey, I won't be able to make it, but if you want I can do the live viewer questions video." But that same day, uh, I ended up completely like losing my voice. So immediately after, I'm like, "Oh, crap. I I'm not going to be able to do these." <laughs> it's all right because of the fact that I went solo yesterday uh, last week i was able to actually knock out all the live viewer questions in one sitting so uh, it was a nice change of pace so i was like all right no extra curricular homework uh <laughs> the rest of this week for live viewer questions oh yeah and then uh we also so my friends and i ran into uh Detilla there uh and hey, so hey, yeah she she definitely knows how bad my voice got after the after the show <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping you guys would be able to link up or at least see each other. I, I just remember seeing your guys' photos um, at AEW Revolution and where you guys were sitting at. And I was like, oh, they could probably see each other. <laughs> if they, Actually, if they yeah, look I think enough. she was like uh, waving to us from uh, from where like she was at. And uh, yeah, because she was like really close to like uh, the yeah, ring. And then we were kind of like yeah. in the bleachers. That's cool, man. Uh, well, I'm glad you guys had a really good time. Um, I'm looking forward to we got WrestleMania coming up. Uh, do you watch WWE wrestling at all, Stuart? Or are you just an AEW guy or go because you're friends? Oh, I, I just went because my friends like uh, I'll, I'll watch it like whenever it's on, but I don't really uh, follow it as much as I should. It's more like there's just so much lore to both AEW and WWE <laughs> that it's like every time I want to get into it, I'm like, oh, OK, what do I need to catch up on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about like 30 something plus years of lore, if not more, man. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, look, but I, I guess the wonderful thing about wrestling for me is it's I consider the fact it's, I, I consider it at least like a male soap opera, but I almost think it's easy for almost anybody to kind of um jump on board or at least kind of jump on in at any point in time you might need like some some cliff notes or something like that you know to kind of get get caught up on but I, I do love the fact that they at least give us little recaps uh as to how we kind of got to this particular moment before the episode itself begins so i i think it's a, a good jumping off point for anybody if you want to get into wrestling guys so definitely go ahead and do so 
Um, but uh, that's good, man. I'm glad you guys certainly had a fantastic week. Uh, let's go ahead and give some uh, some shout outs here to some people that are in our live chat. First and foremost, I do want to shout out Casey, my um, friend Casey Powell over on Facebook. Um, he actually supported the channel. He donated like 100 stars to our Facebook page. Uh, one of the reels that I did, I think, in regards to TMNT, the TMNT trailer that we wind up having, uh, he donated 100 stars to the channel. So thank you so much, uh, Casey, for certainly coming through. And uh, we are monetized now, guys. So, um, you know, yeah, I know. Finally, it's taken us like forever to certainly get here on our third attempt. Uh, they finally accepted us. So, you know, if you guys are in the live chat, uh, if you're watching us live or even during premieres, there should now be a super chat button along with the super stickers button. If you want to support the channel in any way from just a dollar to however much you certainly want to, if you go ahead and support us with a super chat or a super sticker, if you have a comment associated with it, your comment interrupts the entire conversation and discussion. And we make sure is that your question and comment gets brought live on air for us. So uh, definitely go ahead and support the channel. And plus also, Stuart, right? We got a lot of conventions coming up. It definitely would help in a long way in order for us to upgrade some of our um, equipment, right? Allow us to go to possibly more conventions and provide more content for you guys. So any way that you definitely want to go ahead and support the channel, you can definitely go ahead and do so. Wow, our first already, uh, our first, our first uh, super live, chat. Yeah, yeah. What's up? What's up, Datilla? Let her come on in here. To interrupt the rest of the ske- scheduled program. Congrats on getting monetized, guys. Thank you so much for the um the nice donation there and support. Datilla always coming through to support the channel. So we always uh really do appreciate that. So yeah, shout, first shout out goes out to Datilla as well for um this fantastic uh, donation. So thank you so much. Um, but yeah, and also if you're over on Facebook page, you can also support the channel by hitting that stars button as well uh, and again just know that uh, all your support definitely does go to uh, building up the channel here and uh, allowing us to have um, better uh, type of quality for you guys so thank you very much um all right well, who else we got for um shout outs today we got enrique perez here he says it's oscar sunday that means tonight they might drop the official trailer for the little mermaid yeah that's that's it i didn't even think about that but we might get a little mermaid trailer also uh, he says, I also saw the final trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movies. Um, yeah, the Oscars are tonight. I'm actually really eager uh, for the Oscars to see who pulls out some of these victories. Keeping my fingers crossed for uh, Angela Bassett to go ahead and bring a Best Supporting Actress home for Wakanda. Is Are there any films out there, Stuart, that, you, um, that you're looking forward to to see how they do at the Oscars this year? Um, w- one movie that's actually gotten a nomination for like a bunch of different categories, uh, is, uh, everything everywhere all at once. Um, my pretty much my second favorite movie of, uh, 2022. And, uh, I, I look forward to seeing how many awards that, that movie gets. Um, I think it has a lot of potential for best picture, a lot of potential for best director. And I think that, um, yeah, I enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, I can see why it's definitely being nominated as much as it certainly is. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Oscars tonight. Um, so Adam Perea, we got here with us today. We got good old Stuart. Uh, and listen, guys, if you're in the live chat, if you're still around, hit that like button, guys. It definitely does go a long way for the channel. Uh, Kurt Moreno certainly in the house. We got good old AJ certainly coming through. Abbas is joining us, uh, followed by Roberto Buena. We got the uh, most talented man in the world with us here today. Nicole Robertson has joined us today. Uh, our international superstar, Francois, is here. 
Good old Jack Daniels, because it's 5 o'clock somewhere, y'all. Good old John Schuyler's uh, here also. He says, uh, once and always just around the corner. Yep, April 19th, ladies and gentlemen. Mark your calendars. Uh, Carlo Bernardo is here also, followed by Jackson Peterson. Not to be mistaken for Peter Jackson. Pa- Power Rangers Legacy says, you guys know what time it is. It's morphin' time. Uh, we got Carter Matthews here also. Morgan Hutchinson certainly coming through. Good to see you also. Uh, Marcelino Vasquez in the house today as well. Uh, he says it's adventure time. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Michael in the house. What's up, Michael? I did forget your question last week, Michael. Um, uh, I, I'll try and see if I can remember to pull it up in the emails. I know you did mention your question went through this time this week, so um, maybe you'll get uh, double double dippings today. So we'll see. Uh, Alexander, what's up, Alexander? And of course. Datilla certainly coming through. Thank you very much once again. And uh, good old uh, Ramja uh, is certainly in the house. So thank you very much, guys, for everybody's participation here this week. Um, Stuart, this should be a fun um, fun episode, man. I think we got some really great topics um, to discuss, honestly. Um, any honorable mentions, though, that you might have before we get into uh, any of our main topics today? Um, nothing really in terms of news, just, uh, I guess like one thing, uh, to note is that the flash has officially wrapped all of its filming. So, uh, you know, Grant Gustin just finished his final day of shooting. Uh, I guess he even had his family there on set with them because there's a photo yeah. uh, going around with him in front of the green screen with his uh, daughter in his arm. Uh, and I thought it was like absolutely ad- uh, adorable. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, you know, as much as I love to make fun of how bad the show has gotten ever since, like, uh, you know, honestly, if we're, if we're being honest ever since season four, um, you know, how it's just been very up and downhill, to be honest, I still, you know, it, the fact that I stuck around this long, even after the show got pretty bad, just kind of shows you how like special that show was to me. So it's interesting to see it finally, like wrapping, finally coming to an end. Um, and it's yeah. also interesting because this kind of, you know, I technically we got Superman and Lois. Yeah. But um, this technically uh, is the final, you know, chapter now for the uh, Arrowverse as a whole. Yeah, some dedicated fans, man, that uh, sat through the thinker uh, and st- stuck around even after that. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully this will be a, a good wrap up. I'm certainly keeping my fingers crossed for sure. And, you know, you're right with with the season wrapping. He did also go ahead and post a video of him like hanging up his costumes for sort of like the last time. Definitely pulled at the heartstrings a little bit. He seemed like he was kind of emotional a little bit. He, his little pat of the of the suit and stuff. And I'm like, Grant, it's OK if you want to cry on camera, man. Like we. Yeah. Yeah. would embrace you um but yeah so we'll see how emotional the final uh couple episodes are going to be and speaking of uh superman and lois uh, superman and lois actually returns this week uh yeah. march 14th um stewart's going to be bringing you guys uh weekly reviews for superman and lois season three um that drops when on tuesday is that a tuesday yep. or that's tuesday right yeah, because so, it's uh, um, part of the uh, Super Knights, as they're calling it on the CW. Super Knights. So, yeah, we got Superman and Lois reviews headed your guys' way. So you can either expect them uh, either Wednesday or Thursday. I got to figure out what um, what schedule works best for you, Stuart. I'm going to try to have them up Thursday morning. So it'll be like early okay. on Thursday. Okay. Um, and then we also have Gotham Knights, uh, which we will be doing Gotham Knights reviews here for you guys. Uh, I've been hearing um, not so good things <laughs> so far from those that have had the opportunity to check out the first couple episodes. Um, 
But I'm I'm hoping um, once I get the opportunity to check it out, I'll definitely hopefully have a different perspective. So we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely going to give this um this series a shot, regardless of the fact that my anticipation level is not really that high for it. Uh, but we will be doing Gotham Knight reviews for you guys. It airs on Tuesday. If anything, I'll probably be watching the episode Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, and we'll certainly have a spoiler review up for you guys. Not live, but premiere and pre-recorded for you guys dropping Wednesdays at 6 p.m. And then that Thursday morning, you can expect Superman and Lois. Um, so just some channel updates for you guys. So yeah, Superman and Lois and Gotham Knights begin this Tuesday. And of course, Andy will definitely keep you guys posted and updated on The Flash. So a lot of uh, DC television content for us to be breaking down for you guys. Um, are you excited for Gotham Knights at all, Stuart? Uh, you know, I'm a little more intrigued than I was before. A lot of the promotional uh, posters they've been releasing have actually uh, looked pretty badass. Um, and then uh, I know there's been like a lot of negative reviews for the show so far, but I have seen, uh, you know, a couple sprinkles of uh, positive reviews here and there. So um, I'm definitely going in with a little bit more uh, intrigue than I had before. So, yeah. I feel you. I feel you there. Um, and then we got Johnny Marrero joining us today. What's up, Johnny? Good to see you, man. Um, all right, guys. Uh, what other honorable mentions oh, we got? Come quick. Uh, oh, Indy will uh, oh, be Andy arriving in 20 minutes. Yeah, so Andy should be joining us here relatively soon. A uh, couple quick honorable mentions to get out of the way. Uh, I thought this was interesting, Stuart. As of yesterday, James Gunn teased the fact that we will be getting a Wonder Woman animated series, or at least he's currently working on it. Somebody says Diana is a character with such a rich cast with so many untapped potential in stories. It's beyond past time for it to be explored. Hashtag Wonder Woman animated series. And so James Gunn just said agreed working on it. Um, so it looks like that's something that they have already um had in mind um i'm excited for it. look at we got ourselves a batman animated series that's certainly coming back only thing that's missing is a superman animated series at this point uh, but i've been wanting to see some more like justice league characters getting actual animated series um so the fact that wonder woman's going to be involved I love the idea that um, she's going to could potentially be getting it. And it does make me wonder if Gal Gadot's going to be voicing her or not, um, considering the fact that, uh, you know, James Gunn has been pretty open about, you know, whoever's voicing the creature commandos sort of thing. If they ever do get brought to live action, we'll be doing, you know, we'll be the actors as well. So I kind of wonder if that's uh, if, if that's the same thing that's going to be happening here for the Wonder Woman animated series. I might be getting ahead of myself there, but uh, I, I think the possibilities are endless here. I'm, I'm excited for it. What, what, what do you think yeah uh i i love the idea of exploring uh her a little bit more through an animated series uh plus it'll be kind of cool because now you got like a, a series for uh wonder woman characters in both animation and live action with uh paradise lost uh that's that's true that's right because we are going to get that live action uh paradise lost series um let's see here what else do we got uh, we did get ourselves our first character posters for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, these wind up dropping just a couple days ago. Um, even though the movie's not until June, it looks like they are working on getting the marketing up and going here. So we have um, we have uh, Optimus Prime. We also got Mirage here as well. Um, and then last but not least, we've got Optimus Primal. Uh, showcasing what he certainly looks like also um some pretty cool uh character posters man i i if anything i would assume as we get closer to the um the the, the premiere we'll probably get more character posters wouldn't you say 
Yeah, I, I got to do it because it's like funny. I used to watch Beast Wars all the time as a kid. I'm just mm-hmm. like, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that I don't remember anything about the show anymore. So I need to go it's back while, and yeah. uh, rewatch the show. It's all on Tubi for free. So I'll do that. I got to do it at some point before the uh, new movie comes out. I need no, my refresher. I, I, no, I feel you there, too. Um, It's been years since I've watched it. Um, I mean, literally, the last time I watched it was literally watching it after reboot one day on ABC. Like as a kid. <laughs> so it's been a it's been a minute. Um, We also got a brand new poster here for The Little Mermaid uh, dropping May 26th. Um, very reminiscent to that of the Ooh. classic Little Mermaid uh, costume itself. Oh, hey, interruption time. Who uh, who donated? Frankie, yeah, Frankie, what's with up, $5. Frankie? Thank you, and no, okay, uh, no, 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 no comment. So we, unfortunately, we yeah, it's okay. We appreciate the um, the outwardly support for the channel, regardless. So thank you so much, Frankie. Yeah, thank you. It, yeah, man, it really does come in in handy. Uh, it really does go a long way. Um, but yeah, man, the, the Little Mermaid. Uh, Frankie says, "Congrats on getting monetized. We appreciate it, bro. Trust me." Um, so yeah, we got that uh, brand new poster that just dropped, and Stuart also we got ourselves a brand new character within the MCU. Um, this was fascinating to me. This was released by uh, Marvel.com this week. It says uh, Marvel Studios and animated anthology streaming series What If flips the script on the MCU, reimagining famous events from the films in unexpected ways and creating a multiverse of infinite possibilities. Those possibilities continue to expand in the second season as Marvel Studios introduces new stories and new superheroes. We're excited to share a look at one of those new characters, the all-new Marvel superhero, Kahori. Uh, what if asks what would happen if the Tesseract fell to Earth and landed in the sovereign Hodenosaunee? I'm I apologize if I'm completely butchering this name, Hodenosaunee Confederacy before the colonization of America. The Tesseract takes on a new life and a new mythology, transforming a lake into a getaway to the stars and leading Kahori, a young Mohawk woman, on a quest to discover her power. Um, this almost felt like they they watched Prey and was like, hey, that's a great idea, but let's give her superpowers. <laughs> but uh, regardless, though, I, I kind of look, I'm a sucker for period pieces. And especially when it comes to the Tesseract and just its long lineage of like where it's been sort of thing. I kind of dig the concept of this, honestly. Uh, what do you think the idea of really establishing brand new characters and creating a brand new character and trying to make it work? How do, how do you like the concept of Kohori? Uh, I love the concept of her. And I think this is kind of uh, interesting because like, you know, one, I don't want to call it a plot hole, but one like kind of thing when it comes to what if is that, you know, most of the things that they're going to be like making alternate realities on are usually going to be based on what's already been established in the MCU. So for example, you very likely were never going to get eternal type characters in season one because the Eternals in the MCU hadn't Mm. yet been established. So this is an interesting direction because here we could get something that potentially gets established within what if before even getting established in the mcu um Mm. so i think that's kind of an interesting uh direction for them to take if that's uh where they decide to go with it later on um i I mean that's also just assuming she appears in the mcu later which she may not but if uh they ever do want to bring her into the mcu i think this is a great opportunity for introducing her character yeah i definitely uh agree too um because look you know we didn't have an, I don't think we had an agent Carter 
before what if am i correct i mean we didn't have a cap or um i'm not an agent carter i mean a a captain carter is what i meant i apologize yeah Um, yeah that's correct so i think I, i i do think if it pops up in what if i do think that there's always a possibility that it could find its way somehow uh in the mcu uh if it's a pretty well received series um or at least a pretty well received episode for kahori um, maybe as Marcelino said, maybe it's something they can dabble and introduce her into like an actual Marvel series, comic book wise. And if it still continues to uh, to gain some traction, then maybe bring her into the MCU at some point in time, even if it is a, a period piece or taking place sort of in the past. Or maybe she's just like a, a cameo that pops up if we have any other time traveling or multiverse sort of uh, shenanigans. So definitely a possibility there. But uh, I definitely wanted to highlight a brand new Marvel character being created for What If. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, go ahead. You had one, one last thing you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, and plus, you know, we have the huge possibility of her uh, showing up in Secret Wars because I'm I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that, like, in Secret Wars, that's probably going to be multiversal uh, with the characters they're going to bring in. Yeah, so there's definitely a possibility there. Somebody asked, uh, what was her name? Amber Midthunder, the girl that played Prey in Prey, <laughs> that girl that played the the main character in Prey, uh, if she was going to be Kahori. Uh, she's like, ah, I haven't heard anything, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily know if she wants to just be like forever known as uh, uh, as uh, the girl from Prey. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, hopefully she'll be able to expand her uh, her uh, her stardom. Um, and then last but not least, a couple trailers I want us to tackle, Stuart. The TMNT um, trailer that wind up coming out. Uh, we got the brand new poster. We also had some brand new concept art for the cast announcements and things like that. But they did drop themselves a trailer. I did a small little snippet um, on one of our YouTube shorts discussing it. But what are your thoughts in regards to the brief trailer that we wind up getting, the teacher trailer? Uh, happy with everything I've seen so far. Uh, loving, loving the cast, uh, that they got, even for some of the uh, characters we haven't seen yet. I think the casting for the uh, villains, especially, uh, get me really excited. Um, and I love the art style too. I think, uh, this is, you know, it looks like a, uh, it looks like a comic book, which of course is how the Ninja Turtles originated. Uh, I like that they actually kind of look like teenagers in this one, which is weird because, you know, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that's <laughs> something you kind of rarely see in the Ninja Turtles movies. Like they always they they rare they rarely give off teenage vibes in their look. So this is kind of that first time. Um, and yeah, uh, art and animation, I think, are the two big things that they got right about this, at least from the teaser. Maybe the actual movie will look like shit. I doubt it, but it's a possibility. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, nothing nothing but good vibes from this so far. Yeah, me too. I definitely feel the good vibes here. Um, You know, a lot of people have been comparing this to Into the Spider-Verse, but the creators came out and said, you know, yeah, I can see why people would make a connection to Into the Spider-Verse. But a lot of our animators actually come from the Netflix series. Uh, what is it? Uh, the Machines versus the Mitchells or something like that? Or the Mitchells oh, versus Mitchell the Machines? Versus Machines, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, and when I, I looked at the trailer, because I haven't, that's a, I, I had not gotten an opportunity to see that animated movie and I, I've heard great things about it. But when I go and look at the trailer itself uh, you can you can definitely see the um the inspiration for the art style for sure from that film this one just feels a little bit more new york kind of gritty uh a little bit more to it but mm-hmm. uh, it definitely takes its inspiration from there but overall a great little introduction to the characters and um, the teenage voices i will say 
threw me off just because I'm so used to us having like adult actors portray these characters that the fact that they actually go back to like teenage voices, I thought was pretty appropriate, but it was a little startling at first, especially hearing like Donnie's uh, voice along with Raph because I was so used to like Raphael having like this deep New York accent. <laughs> and then the fact that he's got this, this still is childish. I mean, they're probably like 13, 14, who certainly knows, right? Barely hitting puberty. Um, so it's, it's pr pretty fun. It, it should be pretty fun to see what Seth Rogen does with these characters. Uh, we also got ourselves a final trailer for Super Mario Brothers. Uh, the movie set to go ahead and drop this upcoming April. It's going to be dropping relatively soon. Have you had the opportunity to see the final trailer that dropped a couple days ago, Stuart? Oh, uh, no, I didn't even realize there was a new trailer. Oh, man. If you get the opportunity, please go ahead and check it out. Um, it could, I feel like every trailer I continue to see just gets better and better and better. Uh, there's some great team-up work here between Donkey Kong and Super Mario in this uh, trailer. They've got some cool little like quick side-scrolling scenes that they show. A nice little butt stomp from Mario in here. And even showcase like the... Uh, the mushroom and the fire flower uh, powers also. So Ooh. I thought that was pretty cool. And they have a pretty epic Mario Kart scene at the very end that honestly gave me goosebumps. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to like it looks so freaking cool what they've been able to do, especially on the Rainbow Road level uh, in this particular world. But the animation certainly seems like it's there. The humor makes me crack up all the time. Uh, the fact that I that. They haven't given a full focus on Chris Pratt's Mario. You know, he kind of has a couple lines here or there. It's kind of growing on me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 Considering the fact that we've got so much other stuff going on in here and hearing everybody else's voices, it almost feels like Chris Pratt's voice kind of does fit within all the shenanigans that we kind of have certainly going on. So a little startling from the very first teaser trailer that we got. I don't th I think a lot of us were kind of unsure about it, but I'm telling you, man, the more and more I see and hear this uh, movie I'm fully behind this, man. I cannot wait for this film. It looks so much fun. Uh, what about you, though, Stuart? I mean, having not seen the final trailer, I can say that everything I've seen from the first two trailers and then just all the the uh, different, uh, you know, uh, production photos that they've been, like, uh, releasing. Uh, it, I mean, it looks like everything that you'd want to see in a Super Mario Brothers movie, which is a good thing, but it also makes me slightly worried because I'm like, how are you going to fit all this into one? Like, you know, it's a kid's movie, so I doubt it's going to be longer than an hour and 20 minutes. So it's like, how are you going to, like, you know, be able to fit all this in? So I look forward to seeing, like, how it all, like, kind of flows together. Um, but, yeah, of course, the main concern, uh, of course, is the Mario voice. Uh but, uh, you know, I, I want to wait till like, I see the whole movie before I judge, you know, fully. No, I feel you. I feel you there. Uh, what's up, Mikey? Good to see you in here. He says he thinks Super Mario is going to make a billion dollars. Uh, that's a that's a tall mountain to climb, Mikey. But I like the enthusiasm, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that you're you might be right. You know, Stuart, there's only about 50 movies of all time that have ever crossed the billion dollar mark. Uh, if you go to uh, Box Office Mojo and check out just worldwide box office, just how many. Um, people have passed the billion dollar mark. I think it's like 50, 51 movies. And that's like of all time. So, you know, I know that we live in a day and age where 
you know, Marvel's like, oh, I, we can make that in our sleep sort of thing back in the past during their first three phases sort of thing. Uh, but it's really difficult to certainly do um, if you're not a big sort of blockbuster film, uh, to certainly say the least. So um, we'll see if Super Mario can make a billion dollars. Would it surprise me? Probably not, because uh, everybody loves them some Mario. And I think a lot of us have been waiting for a really good Mario film. Um, and uh, if they can pull it off. You never know. I'm, I'm kind of curious also what the Lego movie did financially because uh, that had Chris Pratt as its lead also. And that was another great animated film. So that might be a nice barometer to kind of see like how much the Lego movie did and see if we can expect maybe Super Mario to make a little bit more than that or not. But uh, I like where your head is at, Mikey. I like where your head is at. Try to see uh, if any other um... – because I think Frozen, the first Frozen movies, made a billion dollars. Um, but I'm not sure after that how many other movies have crossed that uh, billion dollar, uh, you know. Uh, animated wise? Yeah. Oh, The Lion King did. Okay, here we go. Uh, found them. Oh, so quite a few actually. Okay, so um, these are the movies. There's uh, 10 animated movies that have crossed a billion dollars. Uh, Finding Dory, Despicable Me 3, Zootopia, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4, Minions, Incredible Two, uh, Frozen, Frozen Two, and the Lion King remake. So and the those... min Minion is up there, and that's from Illumination too, right? Um, like yeah. Super Mario. So and Despicable, wasn't there a Despicable Me three up there or some shit? Yeah, Despicable. Yeah, me, that's uh, three, Illumination so. also too. So yeah, Mikey, you might uh, you might be onto something here, man. We'll keep you guys posted with the box office when the movie winds up dropping. Yeah, nothing, nothing from DreamWorks though. Illumination and Disney beating DreamWorks. Dang, <laughs> that's surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting to a billion dollars is uh, not not an easy task. Um, oh, no. And then, last but not least, uh, the D and D movie Stuart is right around the corner. Yeah. Um, they did have themselves a brand new trailer that dropped. Also, I think an international trailer um, a couple of days ago, along with uh, brand new character posters. Which I love these character posters. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez as the Barbarian looks incredible in this poster. Um, you know, I know this is this was on your top five, wasn't it? For most anticipated movies or honorable mention? Uh, I don't remember if it was honorable mention, but I definitely did talk about it in that video. Yeah, man. Uh, and I can see why. I swear to God, the more and more I look at these trailers and see these trailers, I cannot stop laughing, bro. Like, yeah, Chris, Chris Pine has such a great charm and humor about him. I'm a big fan of Justice Smith, um, along with Michelle Rodriguez. I really do think that they just have a, a great cast uh, and a great chemistry. And I really do think it's going to showcase itself extremely well uh, on on the big screen, honestly. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, did you get a chance? to check out the last trailer at all yeah i think we're uh playing it currently with our uh it's like one of the trailers that we're playing with uh scream six oh, from the movie. um yeah it looks just as entertaining as the previous trailers uh you know i, I say this this movie it looks like guardians of the galaxy but with fantasy instead of sci-fi <laughs> i could totally see that i could totally see that i love the sequence at the end of the trailer when chris pine is asking the uh the the um <laughs> the uh the dug up body like he's got five questions he's got to ask him and he keeps stumbling over his own words and like 
keeps asking him all the wrong questions and before he knows it he's used up all his questions uh i have i absolutely love it chris pine is so fantastic man i can't wait to see what they do with this movie but um you know i wasn't i I gotta be honest when they announced this movie i definitely wasn't that excited for it but the more i think the marketing is on point the promotion is doing great they they seem like they've got a lot of fun i've heard some early reactions to it already uh, and a lot of people are having a good time with this um dungeons and dragons movie so that's going to be dropping towards the end of this month Uh, and i think march is gonna be another big month for movies guys for sure a lot of big Mm -hmm. things happening what's up blossom yeah come to think of it we already had creed and uh, scream six this month and uh yeah now we still got some more to go with uh dungeons and dragons so good month for movies and and john wick four dropping also uh so yeah a lot a lot of great things happening, guys. Uh, but that will wrap up our quick honorable mentions for you guys today. So thank you very much, everybody. That certainly came through for those. Um, and Stuart, I think it's time for us to get into our main topics today, bro. You ready to go ahead and knock this out with me? Always. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you again to everybody. Also, before we start, that uh, support of the channel, hitting that super chat, hitting those stars buttons, guys. It really does go a long way. Um, but let's go ahead and get into our main topic. We'll start off with some Marvel talk for you guys because uh, we got a lot of Marvel news that we need to uh, discuss, especially the return of everybody's favorite Punisher in John Bernthal. Uh, this week, we wind up getting confirmation that he will, in fact, be returning. We already knew that. Charlie Cox uh, was back as Daredevil. Vincent D'Onofrio was certainly coming back as the Kingpin. And it really has gotten the speculation beginning as to who else from Netflix uh, Marvel series will, in fact, be coming over. People have been wanting... Kristen Ritter to certainly return, Mike Coulter. I think they've even been teasing like some photos together. Kristen has been teasing like some um, uh, her her working out and stuff. Maybe she's getting into Jessica Jones MCU shape. Who certainly knows? Um, But one person that we no longer have to wonder about is John Bernthal himself. As this week, ladies and gentlemen, they have announced that he is returning to the MCU as the Punisher, and his first appearance will in fact be in Daredevil Born Again, the epic 18-episode series that we are going to be getting from Marvel. This comes to us from HollywoodReporter.com. Saying John Bernthal returning as the Punisher for Daredevil Born Again. Um, So fantastic to see him back. Uh, It says the actor will reprise Frank Castle, a.k.a. the Punisher. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Bernthal joins Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio on this series, which begins shooting in New York this month. In a departure from other Marvel series, which come in at six or nine episodes per season, Born Again is planned as a whopping 18-episode epic. Writers and executive producers Matt Corman and Chris Ord are behind the show, which is expected to bow in the spring of 2024. So it sounds like... Um, It sounds very much like uh, filming is about to begin. It says Born Again takes its title from the landmark Daredevil storyline published in 1986, written by Frank Miller. The show is deviating from that plot, although uh, by how much is certainly unclear. The Punisher, for example, made no appearance in that particular comic story. It almost feels, Stuart, like they're maybe not necessarily going for the storyline, but just the title sounds great. 
Um, so uh, let's go ahead and do that. And considering the fact that this is from, you know, bringing this over from Netflix, the idea and the concept of born again kind of has a cool little play on words considering the uh, the path that he's taken to actually get here uh, to the MCU. Um, born again follows daredevil series that ran for three seasons. Um, that was known as the Netflix era of Marvel television, yada, yada, yada. So that's really about all that we have. However, the uh, other actors from the Netflix daredevil series are not expected to return. Deborah Ann wall and Eldon Henson, who played classic supporting characters, Karen page and foggy Nelson respectively are not on the roll call for the Marvel series. It is also unclear whether those characters will be recast or excised from the story. So the idea of them maybe not even being in this um, series um, is still unknown at this point. So some good things to definitely be excited about. And for some fans of um, Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, um, some news to maybe be a little bit bummed about. Um, so let me um, throw this over to you, Stuart. You hear the news on who's returning and who has not been, uh, who is not returning as of right now. What are your thoughts, man? Um, well, I absolutely love Jonathan Bernthal's uh, Punisher. He is personally my favorite actor to uh, play the role uh, so far. So hearing that he's coming back to the MCU gets me hella excited. I'm very curious to see how much of his character that they keep from the Netflix shows and how much they take like an MCU approach to it. Um, I'd love to see if this version of uh, Punisher will idolize Captain America the same way Punisher did in the uh, comic books. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> I think that like, I am worried with uh, Karen, with the actress uh, that played Karen and the actor that played Foggy not coming back only because they've already kind of announced that uh, the actress that played Kingpin's wife has already been uh, recast uh, in Daredevil Born Again. So if they're already recasting her, it kind of leaves me worried that they could be recasting uh, Foggy and uh, Karen as well. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, even if, if those characters are being recasted, I'm still glad that they're keeping, you know, Jonathan Bird, the whole Charlie Cox, and then very possibly, you know, uh, Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones. So um, I love who they're keeping so far. I hope they bring back more. We'll have to wait and see, though. Yeah, I hope they, that they bring back more. Um, you know, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of Jessica Jones, um, I did like Kristen Ritter's performance as her. Um, mm. I wouldn't mind seeing her and Mike Coulter back as Luke Cage. And clearly not in the Born Again series, but at some point in time. I think we've been tooting the horn for a Heroes for Hire series. Yeah. I think if there's a way, if you don't want to necessarily give everybody their own individual series i think heroes for hire would be a great way to get like three or four of those characters sort of in one whole series i mean if you want to bring back finn jones as iron fist if you want to emphasize somebody else as a brand new iron fist who certainly knows but i think you can fit like three or four of those characters into one series John Bernthal's return for me personally, uh, I'm really excited for. Um, you know, I guess a lot of people, if there is any worry, is the idea of like how rated R, uh, you know, will you make the Punisher? You know, how violent will his antics from Netflix sort of carry over to Disney? You know, one of the things that John Bernthal has said is if he is going to return to the Punisher, he really doesn't want his character to kind of change at all. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I, I truly appreciate John Bernthal is the fact that not only does he love this character, but he personally understands this character. And I feel like he is just sort of has, has that mind meld and so protective of this character now that if disney were to change it 
so drastically. You know, I don't know if honestly, I don't know if John Bernthal would even want to return to something like that. So there is a level of um, of um, uh, understanding, I think, for me that if John Bernthal's coming back, I, I don't expect Disney to certainly hold back or hold any punches. Um, you know, Deadpool 3, I think, is still scheduled to be rated R. So I do think that they are at least open to pushing the boundaries a little bit. But again, I still don't think it's going to be like blood all over the place sort of thing. But I do think what makes Frank Castle Frank Castle, um, that rawness, uh, I think John Bernthal will certainly bring that to the forefront like we remember him when it comes to the Netflix Punisher. As for Foggy and um, Karen, Foggy not being in the series does feel a little, little bit off to me. Um, he is a character I personally would really enjoy seeing, um, whether or not they've gone their separate ways and have created separate law firms, you know, maybe Foggy does wind up getting recast. I do think that would be a little bit of a bummer, but honestly, Stuart, I can do without Karen page, you know, she's a little bit, uh, too depressing for me too, too much drama. I feel like, especially after season three. Uh, I, I really want Matt Murdock to kind of move away from any love interest that he might have had with Karen just because of the fact that I maybe I'm just been spoiled rotten by his chemistry and his relationship with uh, Tatiana Mislani as uh, Jennifer Walters as She-Hulk. Uh, I definitely would like I like seeing that side of Matt Murdock brought out a little bit more sentimental yet still humorous um so if there's anybody that i would like to pop up in daredevil born again it might be jennifer walters um at some point in time over a karen page just because like we've had three seasons with karen and matt and it's just been kind of drama filled and back and forth and so i'm just like I i'm ready to move on and give him a new love interest um but uh, if anything foggy I'm going to need Foggy back uh, in some capacity or another. But I, I love this news. And if anything, Stuart, this also hopes makes me hope that he pops up in other MCU projects now. And mm -hmm. I think we tease the idea of maybe him coming in like a Spider-Man 4, right? Maybe uh, being hired to take down the uh, web slinger I think would be cool. Going back to the classic Amazing Spider-Man comic book. Well, we got the Punisher, and then you got the big Spider-Man in his scope sort of thing cover. Very classic, iconic, uh, of, of, uh, amazing Spider-Man cover. So John Bernthal being in the MCU, uh, I think big things could potentially happen here. So I'm pumped for this, man. I would love, uh, especially where they left things off with the last Spider-Man movie, uh, I could easily see them doing like a thing where uh, Punisher thinks that uh, Spider-Man killed Peter Parker and tried to erase all evidence, <laughs> evidence of his existence. And then, boom, there you go. You got your conflict right there. That would be pretty funny, man. I would love to see something along those lines. Who, who knows? Maybe J. Jonah Jameson hires him. Uh, oh, for, you know what I'm saying? Yes. For, for some reason to go take down this web slinger. Um, so oh the possibilities, God. possibilities are definitely there. You know, I don't know how much of John Bernthal as the Punisher will see in Daredevil, but 18 episodes, um, how, how big of a role are you thinking he plays? Um, I'm going to say as of now, probably three episodes, um, that, that, that's going to be my prediction. And, you know, it's also interesting too. I think we got to point this out, Stuart. Remember we did, we did do a. Kevin Feige interview uh, a couple weeks back where he talked about how they were going to be kind of going from serialized to episodic formats um, and that they were going to be experimenting with that a little bit. And the fact that Daredevil was going to be one of those series that's kind of like 
full episodes from, you know, one episode actually having a beginning and an end and not so much a lead into the next episode. How do you think something like that might work out for telling the story, but also including somebody like the Punisher in there? Because that is 18 episodes, but knowing how Marvel is changing their dynamic for this particular series, do you think it, it could still work um, introducing the Punisher in sort of that one episode um, sort of um, dynamic? Yeah. In fact, I think it gives them the advantage of not having to force them into the storyline because they want to have a one-off adventure that's like solely focused on a Punisher-like adventure. It'd be really easy to do that without having to find some like really bad excuse of how this all relates to the Punisher as well. And then trying to, you know, basically happen to give your, basically as a writer, happen to give yourself like more uh, hoops to jump through. I think just having an episodic episode that isn't necessarily connected to the main story is kind of the easiest way to do that. And I do think that might even open up the doors for having more cameos in this particular show than I think a lot of us expect, especially if they can get away with the one episode storyline and kind of move on uh, to something else. Like maybe Echo pops up in an episode or something like that. Um, so I do think it, it it should be interesting to see how this works. And if anything, I'm going to be interested to see how the fans sort of react to kind of the one episode uh, at a time kind of format. Uh, I think maybe some episodes might be connected, but I definitely do think um, we'll certainly have our fair share of just standalone episodes. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be structurally similar to like a CW uh, superhero show. So like Arrow is kind of like what I'm expecting, where it's like there's an overarching villain for the season, but you'll still have kind of your episodic episodes in between. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right in that regards. Uh, Marcelino says, "Sad we won't get the rest of the Daredevil characters. I really like those characters as those characters. Yeah, I think as far as like the actors portraying those characters, I think they did a great job. Um, I like so that's one of the reasons why I would be really bummed in regards to not having Foggy back. Uh, what's up, Nathan? Good to see you in here, man. He says, um, uh, "Disney Marvel can't impress me, but it's not about me. Some fans seem to love what they got from Daredevil and She-Hulk, so I'm sure they will love Disney's The Punisher." Um, well, again, it's not necessarily The Punisher getting his own series. Uh, they are introducing him at least into the Daredevil series. Uh, whether or not he eventually does get his own um, Punisher series, who definitely knows. Um, but, um, yeah, I personally did like what I saw from Daredevil and She-Hulk. We did get some great action, She-Hulk versus Daredevil. I thought that was a cool little fight sequence that we wind up having between them. But I, I didn't mind the idea of seeing a more light-hearted, light-sided, light-hearted side of Matt Murdock. I do feel like it was kind of teased in Netflix from time to time in regards to just the charm that Matt Murdock has. Um, his timing when it comes to his sense of humor, especially how he, you know, that type of thing. Um, but it, it definitely focused a lot more on the dark side of things. So I just, I, it's just one of those things, Stuart, when it comes to people's how people felt about the portrayal of Daredevil and She-Hulk. You know, everybody has different personality traits to them. And I, you know, I don't think it's a, a wrong thing in highlighting some traits more than others from time to time to kind of show how of a complete character that they certainly are. You know what I mean? But apparently it, it definitely has some fans worrying. Um, do you, you feel it's a, a rightful worry or what? Um, it, uh, it, 
it's a worry that I can understand, but I also mm. disagree with because, you know, like you said, we see him in a whole new uh, light in She-Hulk because at this point, um, he's not going through all the tragedies that he has been going through in his Daredevil show, which gives uh, him the opportunity to be a lot more humorous, which he wasn't able, which, you know, he got to do in sprinkles throughout his show, but it's kind of hard to like tell a bunch of jokes when, you know, your main villain is a dude that's like smashing other people's head through a uh, car door and things like that so um you know when you see him in, in a show like she hulk of course you're going to see that more light side to him um but then in his own show uh, you know depending on how they play this which i am really hoping that they give this show like an ma rating because i really do think uh daredevil works really well when his stories are very dark so i do hope the show is kind of one of the more darker marvel shows and i hope we get to see that side of daredevil again from the netflix show but you know I wouldn't mind seeing glimpses of, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot this was all related to The Punisher. My bad. So all that to say, uh, if the show is a darker show, we will see the same type of Punisher that we got in the Netflix Punisher series. Maybe he'll be a little, little better off because he's had time in between seasons, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe he's had time to get his head a little more straight since then. But I do think for the most part, it will be basically the same Punisher. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand the worry for sure, but I just don't think we should automatically assume that one thing is going to be one thing just because something else was something else. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, it's really I have to uh, a wait and see. And I think we should uh, give it a give it opportunity to uh, prove yeah. itself. Yeah, definitely give the show the benefit of the doubt or, you know, just give it give it the chance, you know, because we because none of us even know what kind of tone the show is really going for at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your levels of anticipation for the return of John Bernthal as the Punisher. I know we've been asking for it forever. Uh, John Bernthal's been a man of his words and his dedication to the Frank Castle character. So uh, if John Bernthal's coming back, I have faith that uh, they're going to pull off the Punisher just fine. But uh, let us know your thoughts, levels of anticipation, your worry in the live chat or the comment section box below. And with that, guys, we will move on from uh, the Daredevil topic, but we will stay within the MCU as big old Papa Bob Iger, uh, the current uh, head honcho over at Disney. He came in and booted uh, Bob Chapek out a few months ago, uh, and he's been doing his best to try and right the ship uh, and get things back on course. Um, and one of the things uh, he's recently been pretty open talking about is sort of uh, the new strategy that Disney is going to be embarking on uh, when it comes to a lot of their franchises, especially Marvel and, uh, and I'm about to say DC, especially Marvel and Star Wars. Uh, we've already heard him talk about the idea of, um, um, you know, how things are certainly going to change, maybe quantity over or quality over quantity sort of concept. Um, but Bob Iger is back in the news um, talking a little bit about Marvel and possibly a new strategy when it comes to um, their perception of Marvel Studios. And so I thought this was pretty interesting, Stuart, and I want to pick your brain to kind of see if we agree with Bob Iger here uh, or if we have some differences and like, are they looking at um, the same data? that we're looking at and uh, coming to a different conclusion uh, or what is it? But um, I, I think it should be interesting with all the 
hesitancy that people seem to have when it comes to the MCU. Uh, Phase four kind of being a little bit more mediocre than I think some people would expect when it comes to the first three phases of Marvel. The big question is, has Marvel sort of spread themselves so thin uh, with so many projects within a short amount of time? Uh, Has it sort of diluted what was the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, as uh, they attempt to bring us into this uh, current phase of the multiverse saga. So Bob Iger this week uh, sat down and did an interview. And let's go ahead and pick his brain here, Stuart. Uh, This actually comes to us from IndieWire.com. Let me go ahead and pull this up. According to uh, them, it says Bob Iger questions Marvel sequels needs to bring back characters, you're going to see a lot of newness, is what he says here. So let's go ahead and dive into this. This says, Marvel Studios is never shy to bring back a fan favorite character or give an old favorite a sequel. Over 24 years and 31 movies, the only characters that have been officially retired are a few tent poles like Chris Evans' Captain America and Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. But according to Disney CEO Bob Iger, the studio's upcoming slate is all about going to be introducing fresh faces and less about bringing back old stalwarts. Uh, during Disney's uh, Thursday presentation, Iger spoke about the future of Marvel at the company. During the next five years, Iger said Disney would reevaluate whether certain characters need sequels or need to be brought back at all. He says, Marvel, he says, Marvel, there were 7,000 characters. There are a lot more stories to tell, is what he said. What we have to look at at Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel storytelling. But how many times we go back to the well on certain characters? Sequels typically work well for us. Do you need a third or a fourth? Or is it time to turn to other characters? There's nothing in any way inherently off in terms of the Marvel brand. I think we just have to look at what characters or stories we're mining. If you looked at the trajectory of Marvel over the next five years, we're going to see a lot of newness. We're going to turn back to the Avengers franchise, but with a whole set of different Avengers. Okay. So let me just say this off the, off the rip. Um, I think we kind of have been expecting the concept of um, a whole set of different Avengers. Um, You know, when we're going, he says, we're going to, we're going to turn back the Avengers franchise, but with a whole set of different Avengers. I think they've definitely been doing that in regards to setting up this, uh, this youthful turnout. You know, a lot of people have been suggesting, hey, Young Avengers is coming, Young Avengers is coming. While it may not necessarily be a Young Avengers solo film, that Young Avengers team could very well be the Avengers team of maybe K- Kang Dynasty, of Secret Wars, whatever the case may be. So I, when he says a whole set of different Avengers, I think that's what he's personally referring to. But that that simply could be me. You know, a couple things that kind of have issues with here. You know, we he says we have to look at Marvel as not necessarily we have what we have to look at at Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel storytelling. I, I personally do think that they do. Um, I think the volume of storytelling has really hurt them just because of the fact that it has sort of stretched them thin. Um, the more stories that you're telling, I do wonder if maybe we're not. Um, having the same levels of quality assurance as we certainly used to. 
Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the volume of stories that you are certainly telling. He says, but he doesn't think that's the problem. He says, but the problem being, but how many times can you go back to the well on certain characters? Sequels typically work well for us. Do you need a third or a fourth or is it time to other characters? I actually find that laughable. And the only reason why I find that laughable is, Bob, you're literally the one that just greenlit a Toy Story 5, bro. Like, you greenlit Toy Story 5. So the idea of, yeah, sequels do work well for you. You should keep stick, sticking with them if they're working well for you. Do you need a third or a fourth? Yeah, if people like these characters, if people like these stories, keep telling stories. You believe that with Toy Story 4, Toy Story 5, and you keep pushing it because you know it's a billion dollars and because you know people love these characters. So people will, in fact, keep coming back for them. So the idea of going back to the well on certain characters makes perfect sense to me, honestly. You know, I, the, the problem with Thor isn't the fact that Thor has four movies. The problem with Thor is that nobody kept Taika Waititi in his, in you know, enclosed in the idea of telling an actual good story. Why could that be, Bob? Maybe because the volume of Marvel storytelling has gotten just dwindled to the point of, you know, nobody really keeping the quality assurance in these storylines. And so I think when you start being stretched too thin, you start having not great scripts being written, yet being greenlit, and people are filming this stuff. And unfortunately, it's not always hitting with the fans the same way that it's certainly used to. So I don't think the concept of sequels is is um, is bad. I think if we've got a Captain America 4 movie that's coming out that's starring Anthony, you know, Anthony Mackie, are you going to tell me Anthony Mackie doesn't deserve his own story, his own story? No, just make Captain America 4 a great script. Bring in the right people, sit down and make sure this is the story that is going to work. And as long as you have that similar to what you're doing with T Toy Story 5, I'm sure you wouldn't greenlight Toy Story 5 unless you've got a great story. So I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing back some of these characters that we're familiar with because people People love these characters. I think if there's been any complaint, Stuart, I think it's probably been the idea that there's too many new characters. You know, while we have personally, don't don't get me wrong, while we have personally enjoyed, say, characters like a Moon Knight, um, a Miss Marvel, we may not necessarily be thrilled about some of the series and the levels of storytelling, but these characters have definitely jumped out at us but i do think there's a lot of people that would complain there's almost too much newness without having that sort of great balance of old and new um and because of the idea that i think these people love their characters and i think we love having a, such a connective tissue and such a connected story that we still want those characters that we fell in love with from phase one two and three to still have some sort of impact kind of going forward and following those characters as you introduce new ones in here so you know i usually agree with what bob Iger has to say but there are times in here Stuart, that i I'm just trying to figure out what they're looking at and what they're deciphering to come up with some of this um, uh, this information of theirs. And who knows? Maybe there are some people out there that 
absolutely agree with Bob Iger. And I would definitely love to to hear some of those opinions. Um, but let me kick this over to you, Stuart. Are you one of those people that um, agree with Bob Iger saying maybe you're looking at this in a different way that I'm certainly thinking? But I, I want to know your thoughts when you hear uh, this type of stuff. And I'll read it for uh, for you again. Marvel, there were three, there are 7,000 characters. There's a lot more stories to tell. What we have to look at at Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel storytelling, but how many times we go back to the well on certain characters. Sequels typically work well for us. Do you need a third or fourth, or is it time to turn to new characters? There's nothing in any way inherently off in terms of the Marvel brand. I think we just have to look at what characters or stories we're mining and if you look at the trajectory of marvel over the next five years we're going to see a lot of newness and he talks about the idea of turning the avengers around what are your thoughts in regards to what he's got to say i mean here's the biggest thing that kind of annoys me about everything he's talking about currently you're, you're literally describing what marvel has already been kind of doing for the most part <laughs> um, yeah. you're not telling us anything new this is literally what phase four has been kind of mostly about yes you've been getting uh sequels to characters like thor dr strange and spider-man uh I think Thor was like the only one that really felt like, okay, we're just returning to the well because we know it makes money. Whereas like the other characters we came back to, we didn't come back to them because, well, I mean, obviously it was partially for money uh, because every movie is about making money, but it was also because we were trying to complete a story with them. We, you know, their stories hadn't been finished. Spider-Man, you know, need had like literally left off on a cliffhanger. We didn't go back to that movie just because we wanted to make money. We went back to that movie because we wanted to see how his story would wrap at the end of his trilogy dr strange you know uh you know he had a sequel and you know if i want to see a third dr strange movie not be not just because i really like dr strange too but because again it ended on a cliffhanger and we want to see how that wraps up so uh, I don't know what he's talking about and saying that we're constantly going back to the same characters like in, in that way. Like the only thing I could kind of see if, if he's talking about like bringing these characters back uh, in other projects um, too many times and fine. That's that's there's an argument for that, I guess. Like, for example, like when you bring in Doctor Strange into Spider-Man, like, OK, cool, fair enough. If that's what you're talking about. But I don't think that's what he was talking about. I think he's talking about making too many sequels for uh, Marvel characters. And again, with the exception of Thor, no one's gotten more than a trilogy of sequels. So I have no idea what he's talking about with this. Um, I think the problem uh, has just been too much in each year. And I think there's, uh, you know, you mentioned it before, balance. I think to quote a song from Steven Universe, balance is the key. Um, you know, <laughs> I think uh, DC has it right. Two movies, two TV shows. Obviously, we haven't seen how this is going to play out yet, but it sounds like a good way to balance it out. If you really want to balance it out, how about this? A sequel a year? a new character a year or a movie that introduces a new character a year, a TV show that comes back to a character we already know. And a TV show that introduces a new character, you know, something like that. Um, I think to just kind of say, Oh, we're, we, we want to drop all the new characters and kind of just focus on new ones is a quite, quite idiotic. If that's what he means. Um, again, it's, it's bizarre because it's hard to tell exactly what he's talking about because again, it's like, he's just describing Marvel face. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I, I, have loved what he's done in the past, but, uh, I feel like his, uh, course correction, 
Um, I think the problem might, might actually just be that he came into a studio with debt and didn't hasn't looked at what actually has caused that debt. You know what I mean? Mm. So you might be right. Yeah, you might be right. Um, I like. I also wonder if he looked at Ant Man and was like, Ant Man's got a trilogy. Like, <laughs> if there's any, if there's any character maybe that I can kind of see his his issues with, like the idea of Ant Man getting a trilogy seems. You know, I don't want to say crazy, but I, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, but I get the idea of them wanting to finish off somebody's movie uh, or story arc. So, you know, maybe Bob is feeling some type of way of the fact that the, the Ant-Man trilogy and its completion, you know, the third one maybe didn't necessarily make as much money financially as they were certainly hoping for. So maybe he's in his feelings and feeling some type of way. And he's like, no, this is why we can't keep some of these characters around for so long. Like, you're going to tell me you're not going to do another Spider-Man movie because he's going to be going on his fourth one. So are we going to say farewell to Tom Holland? Get out of here with that. Like, that's just not that's just not the case. I, I just think, like you mentioned, there's just got to be a much better balance and a much greater attention being made to the scripts and um, the screenplays that are being presented for these movies to make sure that these characters truly, truly live on and uh, make people want to go to the movie theaters to certainly see them. So uh, again, I have no problem with keeping around some of these older characters, especially if you're going to be balancing them out with brand new ones, but we're here for the characters. Uh, and as long as the characters and their stories are well told, we'll come back for a Captain America 6, man, if you've got some great stories to be told out there. So um, hopefully they find themselves an interesting balance going forward, Stuart. And last but not least, he did say this about um, he did say this about Star Wars. He says, uh, Iger also addressed another Disney tentpole, Lucasfilm Star Wars, during the call. The franchise has mostly been co-signed to Disney Plus since the rise of Skywalker ended the sequel trilogy. And earlier this week, it was reported that two films in development, Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron and an untitled project from Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige, have been shelved. Iger explained that Disney wanted to pause their release of films in the franchise after their commercial disappointment of spinoff film Solo. Uh, he says, Solo was a little bit of a disappointment to us. It gave us pause just to think maybe the cadence was a little too aggressive, so we decided to pull back a bit. We're still, we still are developing Star Wars films. We're going to be making sure that we make one that's the right one, so we're being really careful there so um some some hopes for lucasfilm fans and star wars fans that they are um understanding some of their mistakes and certainly trying to correct them i think the fact that we haven't had a star wars movie officially announced in quite some time is key to that um so i am expecting when we get to star wars celebration some star wars um movies to be announced if not one then maybe at least two but i think if they are announced i think they're pretty far along in their production like really ready to kind of get into uh in front of cameras relatively soon uh but what do you think in regards to what he had to say about just solo and just the idea of star wars movies oh i think you're muted i think again uh with solo <laughs> the big thing that caused like the the um uh, the not so great box office numbers for it uh, was really they they um, I think they over anticipated how hardcore a lot of Star Wars fans were. I think they kind of thought they could release this uh, prequel, introduce like new elements like Darth Maul and things like that and hope that it wouldn't confuse every anyone. But of course, you know, 
not everyone who uh, likes Star Wars is like a huge Star Wars fan. So when you release a movie like Han Solo, you have it take place, you know, clearly during the uh, <clears throat> era of an empire, but then you introduce Darth Maul. Uh, you're going to have casual viewers be like, wait, what the hell? Um, and then on top of that, the fact that it was five months after we had just gotten the Star Wars movie that was very controversial to the point where like people who even liked The Last Jedi were probably just sick of hearing people bitch about Star Wars and therefore just didn't want to watch any more Star Wars because of it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't think the uh, poor box office numbers for Solo was really because of the quality of the movie. Um, I think it was just because of the time they released it. So I think if they want to do more Star Wars movies, go for it. They just need to be careful about how they release it. You know, Star Wars isn't quite the like uh, the comic books or isn't quite like Marvel and DC comic books. You can't release two uh, Star Wars movies a year and hope that you're going to get like great box office numbers for both of them. They do need to be a little bit more uh, spread out. Yeah, I definitely don't think it helped. Like you mentioned, the idea of The Last Jedi and then them dropping a solo. It's almost one of those things where I feel like they decided to pull the trigger on this project because with the death of Han Solo in The Force Awakens, I almost feel like they were like, oh, people are going to miss this character when he's gone. So maybe we should do a film in regards to him, but we're not going to bring back Harrison Ford that everybody truly wants to see. We're going to recast Han Solo in a movie that nobody's really asking for right now. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think it definitely was the timing. I totally agree with that. I think it was definitely the timing of when this film was. Uh, if it was a, a couple years afterwards, words or if it was something that they were possibly working on now maybe it's something that more people would certainly go back to definitely check out um uh Detilla says disappointed that we didn't get a sequel um you know i am a little disappointed that we didn't necessarily get one do i need one no not really i, I feel like they could probably have accomplished the sequel in like a television form if they want to i still think we live in the world where some of these characters might come back or could potentially come back if we ever get that lando Donald Glover series. I don't even know if that's actually even happening anymore. Um, but if we were to go down that Lando series role, I can see somebody like uh, uh, Alden Herrenreich coming back as Solo, Amelia Clark coming back as uh, uh, Kira, um, and maybe having Darth Maul play some sort of role in that too. So I do think there's a possibility where we do get a television series that brings back these characters. But yeah, I, I don't expect a, a Solo 2 to, to certainly ever happen. It's a little bit of a bummer because I feel like the more and more I see the film, it, it, it continues to be like, yeah, this is actually a pretty enjoyable film. Mm hmm. I uh, I always had this idea for a sequel that could have been a direct prequel to uh, the Force, uh, the uh, or um, a New Hope. Basically, the idea is it would be about the uh, mission where uh, Han Solo had to drop the cargo and then therefore had the uh, big bounty on his head from uh, Jabba the Hutt. For the Jabba. idea being that, like, uh, unknown to Han Solo or Jabba the Hutt, uh, Boba Fett, because he was working with the Empire at the time, uh, was the one who tipped the uh, Empire off about the cargo that uh, Han Solo had. And then that would be kind of like how the movie would end with Han Solo in kind of a, uh, a no win situation type thing. I kind of dig it, man. I kind of dig it. That'd be a great little lead in for his character going into a new hope for sure. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. What do you guys think about how Bob Iger is certainly viewing uh, the MCU currently? Um, does this make you concerned? Do you think they're looking at the wrong things? Maybe you completely agree with Bob Iger. Definitely go ahead and let me know your guys' thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below.
And with that, guys, we will move on to our next topic. We're going to go from Marvel to DC here uh, and get into the world of animation. Uh, you know, we started off this show um, talking highly about the idea of James Gunn wanting to tackle a Wonder Woman animated series. Uh, I think a lot of us probably grew up, whether that be on Superman animated series, Batman animated series, a Justice League animated series, Justice League Unlimited for some of you guys out there. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of people that have certainly been wanting to see animated series certainly make a return. Um, big fans of Young Justice out there for sure. But it does seem as though Batman is making his return to animated series. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, um, it was explained to us that Batman Cape Crusader was no longer going to be attached to HBO Max, that they were actually um, shopping the animated series Batman Cape Crusader out there towards other streaming services. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, we finally have figured out the landing spot. So for those of you out there who have been wanting another animated series for Batman, you've got one coming. Let's go ahead and break this down. This is uh, coming to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Batman Cape Crusader moves to Amazon uh, with a two-season order, Stuart, a two-season order. Um, so they uh, definitely are looking quite forward to this. Um it says Batman Cape Crusader has found a new home at Amazon. The streamer and retail giant has landed out, has handed out a two season order for the animated series, which was originally set up at HBO Max. Um, it says uh, they scraped uh, Warner Brothers Discovery scrapped the show uh, in August, more than a year after it was ordered straight to series amid a round of cost cutting. Um, other streamers, including Netflix, Apple, and Hulu, also kicked the tires on the project that marks the reunion for executive producers J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves. Um, and I believe Bruce Tim. Yeah, the animated series hails from Bruce Tim, Abrams, and Reeves and was sold to the streaming rival as part of Warner Brothers Discovery's efforts to monetize content by selling selling projects to third-party buyers. Um, so, yeah, you know, I feel like um, David Z Zaslav has come out in the past and mentioned that this is something that they wanted to be able to do was to sell off some of their properties. Um you know, really diversify, not necessarily keep everything on HBO Max. Uh, and this certainly seems like uh, this is uh, one of their first projects in order to go ahead and do this. Um, so, Stuart, let me um, let me throw this to you. Do you think this is a good move by Warner Brothers Discovery to send this off to Amazon? How do you feel about this particular move? And are you excited for the series? Um, yeah, I think. Um, <clears throat> I think I remember mentioning this before, but you know, at the very least, if you if it's a project that you don't want to do, but you know uh, has a lot of potential or something that people want to see, at least you know they're willing to sell it off to other companies and let them do it. Uh, so it becomes kind of a win win for both companies. Um, yeah, I kind of would have liked to have. Uh, I would have liked to have had all my DC content on one streaming service. That's right. Sorry. It was dead boys detectives. Uh, when I brought this up, it'd be nice to have all my DC content on one streaming service, 
but I kind of get why they can't because of the way streaming works. Um, it does kind of make sense uh, the way they're looking at it. I kind of disagree again with the way they're looking at it, but I get where they're coming from in a way. Um, you, when you create like an original content for your streaming service, you want it to be a show that's going to get new subscribers. That's how you, they uh, get their money is new subscriptions. And in um, David Zaslav's mind, I guess he doesn't think that while he thinks that Batman Cape Crusader could be a successful show with lots of viewers i guess he doesn't see it as a show that's going to bring in more subscriptions but amazon does and that's why he probably sold it to amazon for that specific reason um and yeah it's like even though i prefer to have all my dc content on one streaming service and not have to like have them all spread out i'd rather have it spread out than not have it at all so i'm just happy we're getting this show uh again it's got an amazing team behind it i really hope i know that they didn't mention his name uh but uh or they did mention his name but it doesn't sound like he's still working on it uh but i do hope that bruce tim is still kind of involved because i think that between bruce tim matt reeves and jj uh, abrams i think that's a combination for a, a tv show that has a lot of potential yeah i i love the uh the combination of all three of these men on here it definitely gives me confidence in what this series uh could potentially be um but i am in agreement with you i think the idea of moving it over to amazon i do wonder if david zaslav is doing this in order to kind of clear the decks for what james gunn is doing like i wonder if he's like you know if this isn't necessarily a part of um, what James Gunn is doing, you know, we kind of want it to be sort of elsewhere and maybe keeping stuff that is connected to that overall world a little bit more closer to home. Um, again, I don't know if that's necessarily the reason why he's doing it, but it certainly could be one of them. Um, but it does say animation, meanwhile, remains a major area of investment for networks and streamers alike. In addition to repeating well on streaming services, original ideas become extremely lucrative, thanks in part to the ability to turn characters into lines of merchandising. Um, so yeah, um, Batman Cape Crusader, and I believe we got Indy here. Uh, I believe Indy is able to join us. I am kind of curious to hear his thoughts, uh, in regards to Cape Crusader being moved over to Amazon. Let me go ahead and bring him in here. What's up, brother? What's good going to see on? you, man. What's going on? My bad. You I'm late. No, you're good. You're good, man. Um, I want to hear, I, you, I think you've been listening to the story behind the scenes. Um, so let me pick your brain here a little bit. What are your thoughts on, um, this move for uh, Batman Cape Crusader. Are you eager for the series? Um, very eager for the series. Um, very eager for Batman animated, you know, um, taking, getting away from the, the goofiness of some of the other ones and getting back to uh, something that's more similar to, I feel, which will be similar more to the animated series. You know what I'm saying? Style content. That, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, the move to Amazon is nothing new. We've seen a lot of shows not be picked up or a lot of shows not survive on certain networks and, you know, move to others, uh, i.e. Uh, Supergirl, you know, just mm. to dig yeah. in at the end of the Arrowverse to people. But, um, yeah, I, I think for Amazon, it's a good move. I mean, they already have Invincible. They already have the boys, you know what I'm saying, to add uh, Batman, uh, per se, to that lineup. Uh, it's very interesting to me. And it also makes me think that... Um, if shows like Harley Quinn or, you know what I'm saying, other shows that are very interesting to a lot of people don't survive on a HBO or Discovery platform, that there's also an opportunity for them to move over to Amazon. 
Yeah, that's a good point. It definitely does open up the doors for um, uh, other streaming services to pick up some of this content that maybe HBO Max doesn't want to produce anymore. Um, and, and you're right. The lineup at Amazon continues to grow because I think they you know, they, they just picked up the rights for Lord of the Rings. They're doing big things there. Uh, we have a literally the next topic that we're going to talk about is Amazon picking up another franchise. Um, but then they also got God of War, uh, I think, from the video game side of things also. So Amazon's just stacking up the IP properties uh, to go ahead and create some great content over on Amazon Prime. So if you guys don't have an Amazon Prime account, you might want to might want to pick one up rather soon uh, to make sure you're catching uh, all this. But, you know, I think for me, the idea of J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Tim being a part of this does give me hope that this is going to be a great series. I mean, I think a lot of us love what Matt Reeves was able to do for the Batman movie itself. Uh, and if he can kind of bring some of that crime drama uh, a little bit to the flair that J.J. Abrams likes to bring out. Uh, and then you have somebody that has the experience like Bruce Tim that's been attached to anything animated when it comes to Batman over the years. Uh, that's your experience right there along with make art style and, and whatever the case may be. So uh, I am really eager to kind of see just the mind meld that these three uh, geniuses certainly might have in regards to bringing uh, Batman to life when it comes to animated form. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, man. I do think um, Amazon's got a huge win under their belt here. Uh, and I think it's, um, you know, as much as I personally would like to have seen it stay on HBO Max, you know, I think David Zaslav financially is trying to certainly do his best uh, in regards to, you know, what he can cut, but yet still make money off of. And so uh, we'll see how well this is certainly going to do for him. Enrique, that says, is production on a new Batman Cape Crusader going to take months? I'm under the impression that it's kind of already in development, um, right? Like they've been working on this for quite some time now. When you when you agree? I think so, because uh, I mean even though even if the full-on production hasn't been hasn't begun yet it's definitely been in pre-production for quite some time so they've definitely the writers and the producers have definitely had a lot of time to plan so i think like yeah the actual production side of things will definitely take quite a while at, at least probably a year in my opinion but um yeah i do think for the most part they probably at least have like something outlined and planned out yeah, I definitely hope so. Um, so I, hopefully, you know, as far as how it's going to take months, I, I don't think they've given us a release date as of yet, but I would probably assume dropping sometime in 2024. Um, but uh, who, who certainly knows when that might be. Um, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted once we get brand new information. But uh, yeah, big things are happening over at Amazon. But let us know your guys' thoughts in regards to Batman Cape Crusader. Are you eager and looking forward to the animated series itself? And do you think this is a big win for Amazon? Or do you think HBO Max should have held on to this one? Definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or the comment section box below. Um, and with that, guys, we are going to take a, a jump from Marvel and DC to dive into some movie news for you guys today. Um, and um, let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about the most recent um, blockbuster over at uh, in the box office right now. Uh, Creed is back in the news. Uh, if you guys have not had the opportunity to check out Creed 3 yet, starring Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors, Michael B. Jordan doing his uh, directorial debut as well. Stuart, can you pull up the um, the box office for um, Creed 3 as of right now? Um, Michael B. Jordan has been making his rounds. After a very successful outing, uh, I believe Creed 3 is probably the highest grossing Creed movie as far as opening weekend 
that we've uh, seen so far, and the trajectory continues to go up for this particular franchise. Uh, and with the excitement everybody has certainly had after checking out Creed 3, uh, the big question certainly has been, where do you go from here? Uh, and Michael B. Jordan certainly has a lot of ideas up his sleeve. As we just got done talking about Amazon, well, Amazon is back in the news as they are, in fact, throwing around the idea with Michael B. Jordan of expanding this particular franchise and creating a Creed verse. Everything's a verse, multiverse, spider verse. Now we're going to get ourselves a Creed verse. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to kind of pick everybody's brain here to see just how much content can we actually mine from a Creed verse. But let's go ahead and dive into this article here because um, Michael B. Jordan is back in the news uh, as they are, in fact, talking about uh, what Amazon is purchasing right now or looking forward to building. It says, uh, this is from Deadline.com. Michael B. Jordan spearheading Creedverse in works at Amazon across film and TV. It says, Creed already broke ground for Amazon with the latest installment in the MGM movie franchise. Uh, Creed 3 racking up a 100 million plus global opening and setting a box office record for the tech giant. Now Creed could spawn an Amazon universe spanning both film and TV. There have been meetings with the franchise and filmmaker, uh, the franchise star and filmmaker Michael B. Jordan about various Creed related projects. For the past year, sources said, the plans for the scope of the universe have gotten bolder in the wake of Creed 3's big debut. Reps for Amazon and Jordan unfortunately declined to comment. Details are sketchy because some of these conversations are still in exploratory stages. But we hear that an anime series connected to the Rocky spinoff IP is in the works. And there are ideas for a companion live action TV series. Also percolating is a potential project centering on Adonis Creed's daughter, Amara, who was played by deaf actress Myla Davis-Kent in Creed 3, making her film acting debut. As previously announced, there's also been a Drago um, spinoff movie in the works. Um, the film would center on Rocky Balboa's foe, Russian boxer Ivan Drago, Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren, and his son, Victor Drago, who was introduced in Creed's adversary in Creed II. There had been some chatter that the Drago shoot offshoot could lend itself to a series but according to sources the intention remains to keep it as a movie so far a script has been commissioned but is unclear whether it could be made uh, of course there's also the prospect of more feature creed installments uh, with various other ideas also being thrown around for live action and animated movies um and it says yeah it says um through three movies, the Creed franchise is approaching half billion dollar mark at the global box office. So it's um making some big moves here. So um Indy, um, since you are joining us here, again, they did say that all of this is still in exploratory stages. So nothing is concrete, but with the success of Creed 3, hey, we've got some fresh ideas, a possible animated series a companion live action TV series. Heck, we might get a Drago movie, uh, a series for, you know, something with uh, Creed's daughter, and, of course, more Creed films. Um, after the success, uh, Indy, of Creed 3, um, how do you feel about um, them expanding it even more going forward? 
let's not just talk about the success of Creed Three. Let's talk about the success of Creed as a um as a trilogy. You know what I'm saying to start off with, and no the more. fact that for this one in particular to do so well, uh, for Michael B. Jordan to be at the helm. You know what I'm saying? Producing this particular film and where he took his inspiration for this film from, you know what I'm saying? Being a huge anime fan, I believe this in particular is one of the best, uh, I guess, uh, things to take and be, you know what I'm saying? His own type of universe, especially with the different type of range they're going to go. We got stories for people, like you say, Drago and his son that we're interested in. I'm interested in what Drago went through after, you know what I'm saying, he lost to Rocky. You know what I'm saying, how his son grew up with that. that that's a that's a compelling story. You know, and we only get a piece of it, you know, in, in the Creed, in that, in that, that was Creed 2, wasn't it? Creed 2, yeah. In, in, in Creed 2, we only get a piece of that. And it'd be interesting to see what happened before then and after, you know what I'm saying, the fight, because you get some of these fighters, do, do they just stop do they stop fighting all together after losing to Adonis? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like, like it, it makes careers no over. Yeah, career careers over. Lost to Adonis. I have no more career. You know, they there's something that has to go on after that. The thing I'm most excited about animation. Not animation in particular. Anime in particular. Anybody who saw Creed and saw that last fight, oh yeah, un- understood the exactly where that was drawn from. You know what I'm saying? Dragon Ball fight scenes, Naruto fight scenes, even the the punch to punch. You know what I'm saying? So oh, you got taken yeah. straight from you know what I'm saying Super Saiyan Goku and Majin Vegeta. You know that that the way that was shot, I don't think anybody other than Michael B. Jordan. You know what I'm saying? And and his love for anime could put that together. So if you think about an anime series following, whether it's his daughter, you know what I'm saying, or maybe his fights that we didn't see. You know, because he had plenty of fights before he had these big fights that he had. Maybe his, his father we knows, but in in the form of uh, Kuriko no basket, uh, mega mega blocks. You know what I'm saying? Like like it, it just that art style would be you know amazing. You and and I believe it's something that's very doable with like like we said with Invincible with K Crusader. That's something that'll fit right in the Amazon pocket to build that anime uh catalog. So th- let's see what we do. If anything that. And expand from that. Yeah, I like some. I like some of the ideas for sure. Uh, I like your enthusiasm for um, what this Creed verse could potentially turn into. Uh, Stuart, briefly before we get into the like, what projects you would certainly like to see? What What do you think about this in regards to the Creed verse? Do you think there's more projects that's worth mining from this? Do you think this is a, a good move, especially after seeing something like a, a Creed three? Do you Do you want more of this world? Um, do I personally want more of this world? Sure. I'd love to see them expand it. However, I'm not sure if um, if the universe would be as popular as they think it's going to be. So personally, for me, I think like while these ideas are ambitious and really cool, I just hope they don't try to force them all out at once and they try to like mm-hmm. take their time mm-hmm. with it, see mm-hmm. whether or not there's actually, you know. Uh, an interest from the audience uh, before kind of like moving on with each project uh, one after another, Um, you know, instead of just releasing all of them at once and hoping that they all do really well together. You know what I mean? In other words, I don't want this to make the same mistake as, uh, you know, early Disney Star Wars in a way. 
But uh, yeah, I do think overall, you know, I'll definitely, I, I definitely love the idea of an anime uh, series that takes place in the uh, Creed verse for sure. Uh, and I think that, you know, like Indy was mentioning how you could definitely tell from watching Creed three, that there was like a lot of anime influence that definitely went into it. So I would love to see that being taken in a uh, kind of literal kind of way by actually making an anime based in that universe. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with both of you in that in that regards. Um, you know, I will say this one thing that um, when I when I read this story, the one thing that really jumps out at me, too, is Michael B. Jordan really working hard to give people opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is the little girl that played Amara in Creed three. Right now, it's like, hey, you know, she did such a good job. Maybe we can give her some sort of content for her to kind of work at. Right. Helping support another young up and coming actress, um, giving her an opportunity. Um, you know, Jonathan Majors already has a ton on his plate. You know, is this an opportunity for Jonathan Majors to kind of be, you know, re you know, um, coming, you know, re not recasting, but coming back as uh, Damian Anderson uh, at some point in time, giving possibly Jonathan Majors opportunities uh, for him to certainly come back to. So the, the guy that plays Drago in here, right? Um, continuing to build opportunities for some of his cast members and friends um, so they can go on and have great careers and be lucrative themselves. So I really appreciate Michael B. Jordan's mindset of not just kind of staying enclosed in just this one, hey, we're just going to make movies sort of thing, but really being able to see what the potential is going to be like uh, for what you could carry this to. Uh, I would agree with you, Stuart, also in the sense that they do have to be careful, right? Like, I don't necessarily know if you can knock out all of this stuff that they want to do in say one or two years sort of thing, definitely spread it out. If that's the route that you're going to go. And maybe some of these, again, this is just very much exploratory. Some of these concepts and ideas may not be picked up uh, whatsoever. Right. But um, I do think that Creed has established itself to the point of, it's like, if you want to expand more, you can, because it's like, you see the trajectory just going up and up and up Creed. The first Creed was great. Creed two did even better at the box office. And now Creed three is, doing better at the box office so there is an appetite here for this world to definitely be explored but you definitely have to be careful what you launch and what you certainly don't launch and if anything i, I am kind of hoping that while this is very much a creed verse I am hoping that Sylvester Stallone in some capacity is attached to this, even if it's just executive producer, right? I don't necessarily need him to be um, a, a writer or a director or even starring in a lot of this stuff. But uh, just considering where Creed came from, from the Rocky franchise, I hope somebody like Sylvester Stallone at least has some say in some of the content that certainly goes out there. I, I do think that this has very much become a Michael B. Jordan sort of um, um, property. But if anything, the roots certainly very much are still uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, and I think for me, that's one of the things I still kind of appreciated about Creed Three is that even though Rocky wasn't in the movie, and there were certainly times I kind of missed that inspirational speech from Rocky, there are hints in this movie of Adonis sort of remembering and still taking the advice and the mentorship of what um, Rocky taught him into his particular battles. And I think for me, it just really made it a full circle for me at the end of the day. So I'm really looking forward to it, honestly. Um, now, let me ask you, um, if anything, let's go around the room. I'll start with Stuart first and then... I I'll come to me and then you, Indy. 
Um, so, Stuart, what projects would you like to see come out of this? Even if it's already been mentioned in the article, uh, what some of the, what projects of those would you personally like to see? And do you have any original projects from the Creedverse you would like to see highlighted too? Um, well, I like the idea of a Drago uh, spinoff movie. Uh, I think that's that'd be the form we would work best at as a movie instead of a TV show. Um, for the anime, I feel like uh, doing kind of a prequel, like there's two uh, different types of prequels they could totally do with it. Uh, an Apollo Creed uh, prequel would definitely be really interesting to see. And uh, if they want to almost... <clears throat> If they almost want to step away from boxing completely, I mean, you could also do a Rocky prequel about like, you know, kind of uh, him coming to America, trying to find opportunity, but discovering that, you know, the easiest way to make money for himself at the moment is to work with a couple of gangsters because he was like, you know, working for that one dude, breaking people's thumbs who weren't, you know, paying their uh, paying him back on time, that kind of a thing. It would be uh, interesting to see how he got that job. So a prequel would be a cool uh, route to go for uh, an anime as for like kind of a TV show, live action TV show. I think doing a uh, series for Damien um, and having it really focused on him. Like now he's out of prison and now he's trying to uh, basically, uh, you know, move back into society uh, and he's trying to like, you know, find his place in this new world. I feel like that'd be like a really interesting route that you could take it. You could do some really good uh, social commentary in there if you wanted to. Um, yeah, I think those are some ideas that I would I would go with if uh, if I was like, you know, in the writing room, I guess. Yeah, I dig some of those ideas. I feel like the idea of uh, um, a Rocky prequel is kind of being uh, might actually be being thrown around also. So we'll see how they certainly execute that. Um, if I had some projects, um, you know, one of the things I, I did like is something that um, Indy definitely said. Um, I love the idea of a, an animated series following Adonis. Um, and it would certainly take place between Creed 2 and Creed 3. Because I think for me, I was kind of surprised going into Creed 3 to hear like the idea of him already retired. I was like, wait, no, I, want, <laughs> I wanted to see him still kind of in his prime defending his titles and his belts and stuff. And so I think an anime series would really work in regards to following Adonis's career and some of the battles that he's kind of had to go through, um, title defenses and storylines and things like that leading up to Creed 3. I do think that there's a lot of potential in there. Um, you know, I, I do think the idea of a Drago movie, um, like Indy said, is pretty compelling, but I'm personally okay if I don't see it. Um, the compelling case is the idea that he also popped up in Creed 3. Um, so he clearly has a connection to Adonis after uh, the battle in Creed 2. So maybe that's a route that you go. Um, the TV series side of things, uh, I'm in agreement with you, Stuart. I love the idea of seeing something uh, Damian Anderson, um, uh, a Damian series, having Jonathan Majors kind of come back. And even though he was sort of like the older one out of the uh, Creed 3 movie, I would be curious and see if, if, if even after the result of Creed 3, if he still decides to be a part of boxing. I do wonder if there's a story that certainly could be told for Damien um, at, at some point in time. And look, I, I love Jonathan Major, so any excuse to bring him back, I'm certainly there for. As far as a, a television series for his daughter, I, I would be completely open to the idea of a, a television series for her. Because um, there's a part of me that thinks almost that by the end of this Creed 
property that it's no longer going to be Adonis sort of at the forefront, but it'll be his daughter maybe carrying on the mantle to maybe lead her own Creed film. You know, whether or not that's a Creed 5 or Creed 6, who certainly knows. But I do think that there's a world we live in where we get one more Adonis Creed film film. And then maybe passing the baton onto his daughter, uh, whether that be a live action that then leads into a Creed 5 or 6, whatever the case certainly may be. But those are some of the projects I, I personally would like to see also. So uh, I, I kind of like the mindset in which we're at. Um, Indy, do you want to um, go over some of the ones that you had brought up a second ago? Or do you have any other ones that we haven't mentioned that you're really eyeing? Um, I'm, I'm really interested in Bianca's uh life and ah. career you know what i'm saying as well being not only you know what i'm saying a performer but a mother and a wife you know what i'm saying of a famous uh boxer you know what i'm saying champion boxer so w- looking at how she's dealing with that and her own health issues um would be interested interesting to me even, even if it's like a a mini series you know what i'm saying type thing just just something um for for that because to be honest with you uh tessa thompson um like she thrives in in that particular role you know what i'm saying um she 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 is the adrian you know what i'm saying uh, of this series if not more so um i'd be happy to i'd be very i'd be very happy for for anything to come off of this if it has a specific story to tell I, I right. don't want anything that goes, oh, this is popular, so we're going to do it for money. But the thing about with Michael B. Jordan and with uh, just like Sylvester Stallone, Sly Stallone did not want to do a Rocky movie if the story wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Like like he, the story had to be there for him to do the movie. I, th- I kind of feel like um, Michael B. Jordan feels the same way about the characters he plays if there if there's nothing that's going to elevate this particular story of this person whether it's a spinoff to somebody else uh or anything like that there's there's no reason to do it so i don't think they're going to do anything that doesn't mean something to the history of the character to start off with uh yeah no i totally i totally get you there also um i think if there's any one that really stands out to me that i would like to see more than anything the anime series I think the idea of announcement of an anime series really surprised a lot of us, but just considering the influences that we just saw from Creed 3 from Michael B. Jordan, it almost feels like it almost writes itself. Like, yes, please, can we get uh, can we get an anime? Um, so we'll see what winds up uh, coming out of this. Um, what's up, Carter? Good to see you in here today. He says, just me, but I think Michael B. Jordan wanting to do spinoffs of the Creed movies seems kind of kind of like milking. Uh, I think some fans will not like that the Rocky franchise they grew up on uh, is being expanded. Uh, there's too many spinoffs of other properties lately that are from the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, I, I look, I would agree. I think there are a lot of people that um, feel maybe there's many, too many spinoffs of properties from the late 80s and 90s. But when I look at this, I kind of look at this as an, ex, uh, an expansion of a property that's pretty modern. Um, you know, I don't really look at this so much as an expansion of uh, the Rocky franchises. I do more or less the Creed franchise, which is still relatively still new um, and going strong. Um, so while I, I definitely understand your point of view, Carter, my pushback to that would just simply be, I guess the concept of milking for me kind of comes in the sense of if people didn't really care about this franchise and they're still trying to make money off of it. But I think the trajectory of where the 
Creed movies have gone have shown the opposite, that there is um, that that people do enjoy these Creed films, the world that they're kind of in and might be open to the idea of um, having this particular world expanded upon just a little bit more. Maybe not all the projects that they laid out happening, but maybe one or two in the sense of expanding this world, I think would certainly go a long way. But what do you guys think about that, though? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna out and say this. I don't understand what Rocky fans have a place to complain when I feel like it might only be two Rocky movies that are better than any one of these Creed movies to start off with. So I feel like we're getting better storytelling, a better movie, and better acting. You know what I'm saying? When when it comes off, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Some of the Rocky movies I can't even watch unless I got subtitles on because I can't understand what the hell Sylvester Stallone shut is saying up, half the shut time. Shut up. But. <laughs> <laughs> but th to be totally honest with you, no, I feel like the Creed movies are one and in, in its own. I, I I don't necessarily look at them as spinoffs. To be honest, I, I look at them as inspired by. You know, it, it's a it's a story told uh, through through different eyes. As um, and we 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 go we go to this a lot, but I'm gonna have to go to it as an African American male growing up. You know what I'm saying? And watching what Rocky did, you know, uh, I, I could get under the underdog story. Like, yay, you know what I'm saying? He did good, but I couldn't attach myself to that. You know what I'm saying? Seeing mm -hmm. seeing Adonis go through what he went through and not wanting to stand on his father's name and, make, you know what I'm saying, make stuff on his own. To me, that's a little bit more, you know what I'm saying, relatable watching him relatable. fight. You know what I'm saying? Watching him fight back against what America looks like, look at as him. You know what I'm saying? You're your father's son. No, I'm my own man. You know, so I, I relate a little bit more to this Creed series than I do Rocky. Not saying that I don't love Rocky, but I'm telling mm -hmm. you that Creed made me a bigger fan of the Rocky series than Rocky did. And I get, and I definitely get you. And I think one that's the that's the power of inclusion and diversity for sure. Um, hitting home, but yet still at the same time not diminishing the legacy that is Rocky Balboa and Sylvester Stallone and what he what he certainly stood for and created. Like for me, why I love Creed one and three um you know i still love me some i still love me some great rocky movies man i really do two three and four are like some of my favorites and i'm actually a big fan of rocky balboa as well the sixth one uh, also um so i do think there's a lot of great storytelling just within sort of this rocky creed franchise as a whole and you know you, you mentioned something the idea of creed being more of an in, inspired i guess i kind of i guess that's kind of a for me at least i i I can kind of relate to what you're saying there. Um, I never, I don't know if I felt like Creed was kind of like a spinoff per se, just because of the involvement that um, Sylvester Stallone had as Rocky in the first two installments. It all pretty much just felt like it, a giant continuation to me also. So the idea of actually creating spinoffs feels still like a fresh concept to me when it comes to this particular franchise. I just think there's a lot of opportunity here uh, for growth. Uh, and I, again, I think the box office is, is representing that. But um, did you have any last words you want to wrap this up with, uh, Stuart? Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier how like uh, Michael B. Jordan seems to really love getting people, giving people some uh, new opportunities and things like that. And I think this is a great way to do that. People have stories that they want to tell um, and, you know, not a lot of opportunities to tell those stories. I think this could be that opportunity to tell them. It's just, you know, the only limitation they have is, oh, yeah, these stories are going to be in the Creed verse. That's like, that's it. But you can tell, you know, but why does it matter? You know, people have amazing stories that they want to tell. Why does it matter what universe? 
universe it takes place in. So um, I think, you know, if it gives people opportunities, uh, you know, for both, you know, actors, writers, directors, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I definitely am all for it. Uh, and, and Carter does say, you guys seem to not mind this franchise being expanded on by getting more spinoffs, but you have a problem with others. I don't get it. I mean, it's just a just a just well, a you know, it's it's a. Is he referring to the Sony verse getting like all the spinoffs? Because that'll be one uh, where I'll make fun of only because they haven't been doing a good job of that. Of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a different thing. Like like I just stated what what, what was going on. There's a, a purpose and a story behind what's going on here. If Michael B. Jordan hadn't approved himself through these first three installments, I wouldn't right. be for anything happening right. else and what he did. But I'm looking at him taking taking control. This is this man taking control of this third movie, uh, help writing and producing. You know what I'm saying? This movie, putting himself on the line and it being uber successful. Number one in the box office. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember a Rocky movie doing that. To be totally mm. honest with you, I, I'm I sure there might be I, some I'm not history. Same thing. I was like, I don't remember it. You know what I'm saying? One doing that, but th this is up against Ant Man. This is up against you know what I'm saying. Avatar, different things that you know what I'm saying that are in there that he was able to pull this off. And then you watch the movie and understand the direction he's going, and it's actually compelling storytelling that leaves you wondering what's happening with these other characters. In, in the Rocky movies, I don't think you're wondering what was going on with Adrian to give her her own spinoff. You know what I'm saying? I, I got enough of his son. I don't want to know what, what that little privileged a-hole is doing for the rest of his life. Like, there, there's nobody other than than maybe, you know what I'm saying, the, the great Apollo Creed itself that you really want to go back, you know what I'm saying, to follow. Nobody don't want to follow Mr. T's character. You know what I'm saying? We don't want <laughs> we don't want to see see if Hulk Hogan got into boxing. There, there's no yeah, compelling. Hogan up to <laughs> there is no compelling characters to spin off of other than Drago. And the only reason we want to see Drago is because of what happened in the Creed 2 movie. Because we want to see what happened there. So I feel like he justified himself in being able to do something like that. It's not like the Sony-verse. We got Morbius. <laughs> yeah, I think it has a lot to do, like you mentioned, the, the quality of these franchises, though, right? I mean, mm -hmm, yeah. you know, just because we accept the idea of one franchise being expanded doesn't mean we got to accept all of them being expanded. Yeah. I mean, some some franchises just have better quality writing and better quality stories and characters that have just more stories that we find intriguing to tell. So, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily picking one over the other. It's just I, I think we just come from it from a standpoint of. Um, what's the trajectory of this franchise? Is it climbing or is it declining? And Creed, for me, is one of those that is is rising right now. So yeah. I, that's how that's how that's why we have those differences. Yeah, and then, and then lastly, also like. Um, just the the world of creed you know it, it's the real world which means that you have a lot more potential for the different stories that you can tell within that you know world i mean mostly the real world it's the world world it's the real world where boxing is a lot more popular than it actually is in reality but besides that it's basically <laughs> the real world you know what i mean <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's it's a world where the nba and nfl does not exist yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's favorite pastime boxing yeah, yeah it's the same thing it's 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 the it's the walking dead thing you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. it's the game of thrones mm -hmm. thing they it's the lord of the ring they don't get spinoffs the stories you know what i'm saying aren't compelling look i mean it, come on now it, it the it's not transformers they're not just doing it for money yeah 
You know what I'm saying? So I'm uh, I really believe that they care about, you know what I'm saying, this franchise that they're doing. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Michael B. Jordan does with it. And I'm looking forward to him and Jonathan Majors actually working together, you know what I'm saying, on more projects going forward because these two, uh, the world is their oyster right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you, Carter, for the question. And um, hopefully we hopefully appreciate, we answered it to the best appreciate of Appreciate you, uh, Carter. I like that. Yeah, that's what I like to see the, in the uh, comments. Um, so, yeah, just hopefully that's uh, cleared up some things. Um, all right, guys, with that out of the way, uh, we are going to move on to the TV side of things a little bit. I probably should have kept up with the uh, you know what? I'm going to make a I'm going to make a course correction here. We're going to stick in the world of movies since we're already dabbling in movies uh, coming off of her heels of a uh, very well-received Netflix series by the name of Wednesday. Um, she's also just now coming off of Scream, the success of Scream 5, as well as the most recent Scream 6 film that I believe is currently in theaters. Am I right, fellas? Did that drop this week? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so check out Jenna Ortega in Scream 6, uh, as Jenna Ortega is, in fact, back in the news. Uh, she teamed up with Tim Burton for Wednesday. She seemingly had a great time uh, working alongside him. Uh, in fact, uh, she is working on uh, the next Wednesday uh, um, season as well, um, hoping that um, she mentions that she's hoping that there's more horror uh, and less relationship and love triangles uh, in Wednesday season two, certainly going forward. But Jenna Ortega is back in the news because believe it or not, guys, there are words and rumors that she may in fact be teaming up with Tim Burton once again uh and if you guys were big fans of what they were able to do when it comes to wednesday they may be up in the ante here guys uh by giving us a beetlejuice 2 uh the concept of beetlejuice 2 i feel like has been out there in hollywood for years now kind of circling this concept of is it gonna happen when is it gonna happen is it not gonna happen but it seems like it's still very much on the table this comes to us from hollywood reporter saying jenna ortega is circling beetlejuice 2 uh, says the role would reunite Wednesday star with the world of Tim Burton. Uh, and Jenna Ortega is on a tear right now, guys. If you ask me, I think like her and Jonathan Majors right now are like probably some of the hottest uh, actors that we have right now currently going. Uh, Wednesday star Jenna Ortega is looking to stay in the Tim Burton family. The actor is circling a role in Beetlejuice 2. Multiple sources wind up telling this to Hollywood Reporter. Um, clearly Warner brothers doesn't like to comment on this type of stuff. Representative Ortega for Ortega did not respond to the request for comment. Also, um, it says, um, production is, oh, it says uh, Tim Burton who helmed the 1988 film starring Michael Keaton is expected to direct with Michael Keaton returning as well. According to sources, production is eyeing a late May or early June shoot in London, but the budget has not been set, uh, resulting in a back and forth. If a deal is made, sources say Ortega would play the daughter, the daughter of Lydia, the character played by Winona Ryder in the original film. Um, it does say the sequel has gone through various iterations over the years with multiple writers coming and going and Burton himself publicly waffling over his own involvement. 
Um, it says Ortega, who's recently starred in Wednesday, also featured direction by Burton, has said that she used to have con consistent dreams about Beetlejuice when she was certainly younger. Um, talking about working with Burton, she says it's been quite an, an insane experience. I've been lucky enough to get the opportunities to work with an iconic director who just so happens to be one of the sweetest directors I've worked with and also the most detailed oriented as well. Um, yeah, I have definitely have heard some uh, General Ortega stories of her time on Wednesday, uh, some of the difficulties, but also at the some same time, some of the joys of working with Tim Burton. And so I'm really looking forward to not only seeing her back for Wednesday season two, but uh, I'm kind of hoping that this rings true, guys. Um, but uh, Stuart, let me go to you first. Jenna Ortega circling Beetlejuice 2. Do you want to see her work with um, Tim Burton once again? And what do you think about this potential casting? Yeah, uh, I I think uh, the character she's playing, I think that uh, would actually fit really well with uh, her acting style if she's playing the daughter of the main character from the original uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, and yeah, the overall like idea of a Beetlejuice sequel being around for so long, it's it's kind of funny how this movie back in the 80s was originally pitched um, to be Beetlejuice going on vacation because Tim Burton <laughs> really didn't want to make this movie. So he literally gave Warner Brothers the worst possible pitch he could think of in order to make sure Warner Brothers didn't go through with making this movie so it's kind of funny to see it finally like uh actually being in production now and yeah I think uh, Jenna Ortega has um really kind of impressed me with a lot of like uh you know different things that she's been in when it comes to uh you know her role as Wednesday in the uh Wednesday Adam series and of course uh her role as um uh, crap, I forgot her character's name in Scream 5 and 6, but, uh, you know, I think she's been killing it in the Scream franchise so far. So, Pun intended. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Um, you know, Kurt Marino does ask the question in here. Do you think we should get a Beetlejuice sequel or should it be left alone? Um, you know, when I um, when I think of this question, Kurt, um, I mean, look, do I need a Beetlejuice sequel? No, I probably don't. Um, while I enjoyed the first one, I'm, I'm cool with it just ending the way that it did. It, it's definitely not a character I don't need to necessarily go back and check out. Maybe because maybe as a kid, too, I remember watching the Beetlejuice anime, you know, cartoon series. Uh, so maybe I've had my fill of Beetlejuice over the years since I was a kid. Um, so I don't necessarily think that we need one. But, you know, you tell me Michael Keaton is coming back. You tell me Tim Burton is directing again. You tell me Jenna Ortega uh, is possibly coming on board. I wouldn't mind seeing Jenna Ortega, Michael Keaton sharing a screen together. I do think that they would be uh, have some great chemistry on screen. Um, so, again, is it something that I absolutely am asking for and need? No, but it is compelling enough for me that uh, if the trailers look enticing, if they can get me excited for it, uh, you know, I'll definitely go ahead and check it out. If there is any worry that I have, though, it's probably just the idea of the article talking about just how much back and forth has happened, how much the script has been rewritten over the years. So it does make me a little bit hesitant as to where the script is as of right now. Um, if Michael Keaton is still attached to it, clearly he probably... Uh, approves of it and certainly likes the script for what it is. Not to say that Michael Keaton hasn't made any bad movies in his life uh jack frost anybody right so like at the end of the day um i am a little bit hesitant because it has taken this particular film so long to um actually 
get in front of the cameras. Again, it's still not in front of the cameras yet, so we could still be waiting a, a, a little while for this. So I am still a little concerned about the script, but um, again, if the trailers are pretty interesting, I'm already sold on Jenna Ortega and Michael Keaton being a part of it. Um, so yeah, I would definitely go ahead and check this out um, um, if it's uh, if it's compelling enough when I see the trailers. But uh, I, I like the combo. I do think that they do make uh, beautiful music together. I, I I like the style of Wednesday, although I would agree with Jenna Ortega. I, I would like it to be a little bit more horror-centric. I think she said when she initially looked at the script for Wednesday, it was a little bit more kid-friendly, uh, which um, I, that's not really what I was signing up for the Wednesday Adams series for. But um, if Tim Burton can really make Beetlejuice what the original one was, but pushing the envelope a little bit more, I might be open to it. But uh, Indy, you hear this news. Are you on board with Jenna Ortega possibly playing the daughter of Lydia, played by Winona Ryder in the first one? And this is a franchise that you want to go back and uh, visit or you don't really care for? I feel like we already had a sequel to Beetlejuice. It was an animated series that to me was like a direct sequel to the movie. So to the movie, yeah. Um, th This to me is... Uh, a continuation of that is this something we need um do we need a drop dead fred sequel no <laughs> but i welcome it you know what i'm saying Yo, i haven't heard that name in so long yeah I, I welcome it again this this all goes to if the writing is going to be good if the movie itself is going to be good that this is this is this is what it has to do um do i trust tim burton sometimes you know what i'm saying sometimes he gets it right um I rather have a Nightmare Before Christmas sequel, but I'll take I'll take what I can get. If if Michael Keaton's going to be fully committed, you know what I'm saying. I already know Jenna Ortega is going to be fully committed, and there's a story there to be told. Then yeah, I'm 100 percent for it. If not, I'll be the main person on here to blast them for doing this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you always come come through with your uh, your truth bombs for sure. We'll see him punk <laughs> over there. Um, but uh, yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. Um, we'll see if uh, this movie ever gets made. Again, they've been circling the wagons for quite some time. Uh, maybe they just found their perfect Lydia. Uh, and this is uh, now that uh, Jenna Ortega has emerged. Uh, but let us know your thoughts. Do you guys care to see uh, Beetlejuice 2? Um, does the idea of Jenna Ortega being attached uh, excite you to maybe being open to the idea? Um, definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts in the live chat or comment section box below. Um, and yeah, give us your thoughts on Wednesday if you thought uh, Jenna Ortega did a pretty good job there as well. Definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts. And last but not least, guys, we got one last topic we're going to go ahead and dive into in the world of television for you guys. We're leaving this one for last, but... I'm a big Zorro fan. Well, I can't say I'm a big Zorro fan. I have enjoyed the last two Zorro movies that we've gotten with Antonio Banderas over the past couple of years. Me and my girlfriend actually just rewatched the first Zorro. Uh, and just a reminding uh, reminder to me just how much I enjoy just that character and just the adventure itself. Um, and so it seems as though Disney is going back to the well to go ahead and bring a Zorro television series to a more modern time. Um, I think if anything, um, while I am interested to see who they have cast for Zorro, maybe that's something that they talk about in this particular article. I think what fascinates me even more is the showrunner that they have attached to the Zorro project that might give us an idea of the tone and maybe the scope of what this Zorro series could potentially be. So let's go ahead and dive into our last article for the day, fellas. 
This comes to us from Deadline.com, letting us know that the Game of Thrones writer Brian Cogman is set to showrun and executive produce a reimagined Zorro series in works currently at Disney+. Plus. So they're bringing in a heavy hitter here in Brian Cogman from Game of Thrones. He is attached as writer I'm and sold. showrunner as well. <laughs> he's like, you don't have to read the article anymore, brother. I'm, I, he's like, just tell me when it, when it drops. Um, it says uh, Deadline exclusively revealed the series was in development in late 2021. Uh, the Disney series uh, follows Privilege Cab Cabero, Diego de la Vega, who returns to his hometown of El Pueblo de Los Angeles following a family tragedy. There he discovers a culture of corruption and injustice that will lead him to take on the mantle of the mass vigilante Zorro, America's first superhero. It says the studio describes Zorro as a bold reimagining of the classic, uh, where to go, of the classic series for a modern audience, an epic adventure rooted in California's rich and diverse history, bursting with humor, sinister intrigue, romantic entanglements, and swashbuckling thrills. Um, it says Cogman spent ten years and eight seasons. Uh, on HBO's hit fantasy series, Game of Thrones, finishing it up as a co-executive producer and penning 11 episodes. For his work on Game of Thrones, he received four Emmy Awards, a Hugo Award, oh God, a Producers Guild of America Award, and several, seven Writers Guild Award nominations. Uh, he was a consulting producer on the first season of The Rings of Power and has written a screenplay for Disney's upcoming Sword and the Stone. Sword and the Stone. So, yeah, Brian Cogman definitely has the um, the accolades um, to show possibly why the Zorro series is certainly worth um even checking out. Uh, and if you ask me, man, I'm I'm kind of on board already immediately. Uh, I'm kind of taking Indy's route here. Sign me up. Let me know when the release date is, man. Um, you bring a Game of Thrones writer on here to bring Zaro into a more modern um, storytelling. I think it's fascinating. I'm a big fan of swashbucklings. Give me Zaro and give me pirates sort of any day of the week. Uh, a man with a sword, I, I'm there, man. And an awesome looking cape, I'm there. I, I do think that it'll be interesting to see who was cast for Zorro. Um, I don't know if that'll make or break the series for me or not, but I definitely am looking forward to this. And uh, I like the balance. Uh, if this is true, if it's got its humor, if it's got its romance entanglements, if it's got its action, um, its corruption and political intrigue to a certain extent, the idea of a modern day society in California of this character trying to be like a vigilante and be a hero to his people. Uh, I kind of dig the concept of that. Um, so I would like to see that more modernized here uh and if there is anybody certainly worth trusting in putting this together a game of thrones writer not a bad choice not a bad choice um but uh indy let me go ahead and uh, throw this to you because I, I hear the excitement in your voice for this potentially um is this something that you would be open to checking out yourself uh definitely just just for the fact that uh the when you get somebody who has a pedigree such as his um when you hear the when you hear the words game of thrones lord of rings you hear this is going to be good. You know what I'm saying? Regardless <laughs> of what goes on. I wasn't even a fan of the Rings of Power, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock that. It wasn't um, well told. My thing was, it was too slow, but I'm also somebody who likes you. Witcher Make, makes no sense at all. <laughs> um, I, I think I've been conditioned to be such a game of Thrones fan that anything Lord of the Rings is not existing to me. 
it's kind of kind of like Star Wars or Star Trek is is one or the other. But you you got a dude who's worked on both, who understands how to tell a story, how to pace a story, uh, who's won awards for his work. So it, it definitely makes it interesting, especially when you're dealing with a hero who has no powers. That that's one of the things. in Game mm. of Thrones is about anybody with superpowers. Lord of the Rings, eh, you know what I'm saying? Like special abilities, but not necessarily, you know what I'm saying? Superheroes. He, he's worked in, in that type of aspect. It's somebody that Disney must trust. Because think about how sacred Sword of the Stone is, you know what I'm saying, yeah. for Disney. And he's the one that's working on it. So I, I trust him with this. Um, was never the, I didn't like, I'm not like you. I didn't like the Zorro live action movies. I was, I was one of those who was passionate about the television series. It just had a different feel to me because I grew up with it. So I, I'm interested in what he's actually going to do you know do with this and i for some reason in my head i'm mixing like battle of the bastards with the mandalorian and i'm and i'm seeing like zoro just swing in like coming from first light from the west like gandalf or something you know what i'm saying to be able to take everything down <laughs> yeah i kind of i kind of dig your uh your comparison there i kind of dig it man i um if anything i think you're right i think like brian cogman just as a, a writer also just seeing what disney has put on his plate and has him sort of tackling he clearly is a man that deals with like his swords and sorcerers and magic relatively well um you know that sort of fantastical uh element a little bit um so the idea of him coming to zaro for me just feels kind of right up their alley especially considering the fact that the stuff that he's writing aren't necessarily people with uh, superpowers just really interesting intriguing characters with just themselves and a sword and what can you do uh with that in like some sort of mask right and uh what kind of impact can you certainly have so I am really interested to kind of see what he does here. But what do you think, Stuart? Is this uh, something you'll be open to um, based off of who the showrunner is? And what is your relationship with Zaro? Do you, is that something that you, a uh, franchise you're even uh, interested in? Yeah. Um, you know, I think who they got working as the showrunner is going to be very interesting. Yeah, a lot of experience under his belt. Love Game of Thrones, of course. So, uh, you know, I think in terms of having like kind of a solid writing, it's definitely there. Uh, with Zaro, you know, um, I watched the, you know, the two movies with Antonio Banderas. I didn't really like the second one, but I used to love the first one as a kid. Although at this point it has been way too long since I've seen it. So I definitely need to uh, rewatch it at some point. That's what I always love about Disney announcing like new projects based on like old properties. It gives me kind of an excuse to go and rewatch those old properties again while I get ready for this new one. Um, but yeah, overall, like uh, I don't have too much to say about it because uh, I, I wasn't like a huge Zorro fan. I never watched any, either of the two uh, television shows that came from it, but uh you know, I like the movie enough to be intrigued for this upcoming series. Yeah, I think for me, the movie wise, I, I just was always um, impressed with the charm of Antonio Banderas. Uh, I think it really made the the character pop a little bit for me, and his his chemistry with uh, Catherine Zeta Jones definitely worked. Uh, and I always loved that mentorship role that Anthony Hopkins was kind of able to bring in regards to helping really form uh, this Zaro character, right? By picking, I think I think Antonio Banderas's character was like poor, just kind of somebody living off the side of the street or something like that, uh, but wanted to kind of do more. And I think Anthony 
uh, Hopkins, his character as a mentor, I think he like found him and saw his potential and kind of helped mold him and turn him into this suave sort of character, you know, when he's not necessarily under the mask sort of thing. So uh, I always enjoyed the the, the dynamic uh, that um, I just thought they had a really strong cast and I always appreciated Antonio Banderas' charm. So uh, we'll see what Brian Cogman can certainly do as a showrunner in bringing Zaro to life for a more modern time period. But I do think that there is a, a world that we live in where um, uh, this is a, this could possibly be successful. So we'll see once we get more details in here, um, just the exact time period uh, that we're going to be getting this in. Uh, I am going to be interested to see how it turns out. But let us know your guys' thoughts in regards to it. Uh, what are your thoughts on just the Zorro franchise? Um, do you think it needs uh, a modernized reboot? Um, even if you don't, do you think the idea of a Brian Cogman attached certainly gives you hope and confidence in this series definitely go ahead and let us know your thoughts um all right guys and i think with that i think that will wrap up all of our live viewer questions our live viewer questions all of our main topics uh for today guys so thank you everybody for certainly coming through um and thank you to everybody with the um super chats today i think we got ourselves like 15 dollars worth of super chats so shout out to frankie and shout out to the tilla for certainly coming through helping support the channel uh in that way um so yeah guys if you ever want to support the channel hit that <coughs> super chat button hit that super image button what you got indy do me a favor for the two people that send super chats get their uh mailing information from me i'm gonna send them merch for being the first ones to send us super chats Hey, okay, I'll get that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll get their information. Hey, uh, Frankie, I don't know if Frankie's still in here, but uh, if Frankie, if you are in here, email us. Uh, there is an email in the description box below. Uh, Detella, I'll contact you later, but uh, yeah, Frankie, send us your mailing address um, to the email down below. Um, all right, guys, uh, and with that out of the way, Stuart, I think you know what time it is. Uh, yes, I believe it is time for live viewer questions, questions, questions. And as we get into our live viewer questions, uh, if you guys would like to ever submit a live viewer question, you can easily do so anytime, usually on Wednesdays or Thursdays or any day after that. Uh, we'll usually go ahead and put up a post for live viewer questions. Just simply go over to our YouTube page, as you guys see here, click on that community tab. And again, usually Wednesday or any day after Wednesday, we have a live viewer questions post. Uh, feel free to submit your question over and and um, depending on the time that we have, uh, we'll certainly try and get through as many as we can. And, uh, fellas, this is something I want to kind of talk with you guys about, too. Uh, maybe changing how we do our live viewer questions going forward now that we do have Super Chats uh, available in here. Uh, allowing people to the opportunity to support our channel. Uh, maybe this is something that we talk about later, but um, you know, live viewer questions, we may certainly still stick with live viewer questions, but we may be doing it a little bit differently kind of going forward, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted. In the meantime, though, let's go ahead and start tackling some of these questions. Uh, let's see here. Jessica Friedman, Starting us off, um, do you think the CW should have moved Batwoman, Legends, and Stargirl to HBO Max when they had the chance? And when do you think we'll see Jonathan Entwistle's Power Rangers reboot? Um, Indy, what do you think? Do you think uh, Batwoman and Legends and Stargirl should have been moved to HBO Max? Uh, do you think there's still time for that to happen? 
uh, Stargirl would have survived. Uh, Legends and Batwoman would have died. And the only reason I say the Stargirl would have survived is because the Stargirl started on HBO Max. There was a following there for it. I think moving the other shows to HBO Max, I don't know if an episodic HBO Max um, drop weekly would have helped them any with their ratings. Um, I feel like they were doing well at well on the, the CW. I think the constant shifting of days um, is what kind of messed them up. Because think about it. They, they had CW had no more lead in. Remember what they used to do? Whatever followed, whatever came before Supernatural was a win. So whatever show they wanted to be popular, they put on before Supernatural. When they lost some of those shows, like the Vampire Diaries, original Supernatural and stuff like that, is when I feel like they lost a, a lot of their fan base um, with, with Arrow leaving, because they used to do the same thing. They used to put whatever show they wanted to be seen, they used to put on before Arrow. Um, I think when they, they lost that anchor of those shows is what happened. And I don't, I don't think those shows would have been able to transition over to HBO max because they were having too hard of a problem keeping viewership on the CW because even I lost track of when Batwoman came in. What about you, uh, Stuart? Do you think, um, any of those movies could have survived on HBO max? Yeah, I, I think uh, Stargirl could have survived perfectly fine. I think for Legends and Batwoman, they may, may have had to adjust it like a little bit. I think like for Batwoman, maybe uh, not that it wasn't already dark, but maybe make it a little bit darker, make it like kind of more yeah. uh, tonally like the Netflix uh, Marvel shows. And then for uh, Legends of Tomorrow, honestly, I feel like that show could have done so much better if it was an animated series. Um, I'm sorry, I was reading the private chat. Say that last part again. What was could have been done as an animated series? Oh, Legends of Tomorrow. I think that would have been kind of, oh. uh, you know, if they ever moved that to HBO Max, it'd be kind of cool if they moved it there as an animated series. That would be pretty cool. I wouldn't have minded that. Um, animated, that would have been pretty interesting to kind of see how they pulled that off. Um, as far as the last question, when will we see Jonathan Entwistle's Power Ranger reboot? I'm expecting like 2025, Stuart, but maybe I'm tripping. Yeah, I'm expecting that too because it sounds like they have like uh, ideas down, uh, but they haven't like quite started. Like they're still in pre-production at this moment, so I would I would expect a couple years. Um, Marcelino Vasquez says about two years ago we had the tragic passing of Kentaro Mira, the creator of the Berserk manga. How do you think the manga will continue and eventually end without the original creator on board? Are any of you familiar with the Berserk manga? Um. Yeah, uh, very much so. I don't think it'd be a problem. The thing about Magakas and um, Mangakas and when they're doing stuff like that is that they have people that are very close to them that are like their understudies or students uh, per se that uh, know their vision, uh, have, you know, I'm, uh, come into his style of storytelling and stuff like that to be able to finish, you know, what I'm saying the story for him. It's not like a uh, publication. It's not like, let's say, Game of Thrones when um, uh, old boy George R. R. Martin hasn't finished the story and then somebody just, well, we're just willy-nilly and do it how we want to do it, like like type deal. Now, I think it's a more of a respect thing when it comes to mangas and they will, you know what I'm saying, try to keep the story as close to the exact way that he tells his story and um, mm. you, you won't feel like as much of a difference. The only thing you might get different is artwork, which happens all the time in mangas and anime. But as long as the story's good and 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 fits like how it was going, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, let's see. You got anything about that, Stuart, or no? 
Uh, not really. Uh, my friend's okay. a huge Berserk uh, fan, I, and somehow I hadn't heard about his passing. So uh, I'm sure he's going to be really sad to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure, man. Um, I'm glad somebody on this panel knew about it, though, because I had no idea what the Berserk manga was. So see, this is why we have you here, Indy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let's see here. Blossom, do you uh, do you really think Ollie's going to turn evil, let alone break up with Amelia? Jesus, Susie, uh, I'll need a ton of tissues if that's the case. Also, did you hear about Yodana 3? I heard that they don't have that Kikihara <laughs> bitch in there. <laughs> uh, Zox's sister Flint is going to be in it, I hear. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. I would love to see Zox's uh, sister Flint in uh, in Yodana 3. Um, I've, I've heard a little bit about uh, Yodana 3. Um, I saw a, a picture of her and uh, what is it? The Yellow Ranger from Kara Major, I believe it was. Um, so they're definitely teasing a romantic relationship, which I look, it's about time. Uh, he's, he's had the biggest crush on Yodana for the longest time since the series itself. Um, we've gotten two Yodana specials without them actually, um, linking up in that regards. But, uh, I definitely, I'm hoping at least that it, it happens in Yodana three. I did see her brand new costume, which I think is fire. Uh, I was a big fan of the first two Yodana specials. I thought the action was just unbelievable. Um, so I'm hoping it's got the same tone, uh, as the first ones, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it changing up just a little bit, but, uh, bring it on, man. I've been looking for a third installment there, uh, for you, Stuart, uh, do you think Ali is going to turn evil let alone break up with amelia oh i don't even think he's gonna break up with her i think he's just gonna abandon the entire team because uh i'm pretty sure he's just gonna be mind controlled uh i don't think i I don't think it's gonna be ollie himself like suddenly turning evil because that would be like super out of character and out of left field for him uh i think he's just gonna get mind controlled he's just gonna abandon the team and uh try or uh, try to kill them like you know in the middle of a mission or something like that um Sorry, question though with the uh, second one with uh, the Yodana series. Uh, does that take place after or uh, during Kira Major? I believe it takes place after. Because, um, yeah, Tommy Tomo and Juru, they, um, in the first one, they, you know, they're all hanging out. And I believe him and his school, uh, his school friend, the, the girl from his class, I believe they're all right, they're dating at that point. So uh, it definitely takes place after um, Kira Major okay um dino knights fight for your rights what do you think of the information from the illuminati regarding the plot of the mme mpr special once and always regarding robo rita kidnapping rangers from all over the planet and turning them into little figures uh while it's not confirmed by hasbro as of yet it does already make me ask the question are the dino fury team affected by the crisis or are they just somehow ignored considering that they are in the same universe as all the other ranger teams except for rpm and dino charge this does make me scratch my head wondering if maybe at some point during the six month time period after the finale of dino fury maybe the rangers minus zeta were involved in once and always perhaps during the post-production of the mmpr special and right before the filming of cosmic fury uh simon bennett and the crew filmed new scenes of the dino fury team in their ranger suits interacting with the mmpr team during the crisis we only hear the team through their helmets this would allow both anniversary projects to be connected even right before billy does actually appear in cosmic fury um so yes i um i did hear the plot 
um, or at least yeah, the plot regarding Robo Rita kidnapping Rangers. I think we even saw um, some of the set photos from behind the scenes. Uh, you can see like the figures uh, in the background also to go ahead and emphasize uh, that they have in fact been captured. Um, as far as like the time period and if if the Dino Fury characters will be involved, there's a part of me, Stuart that, and Indy, that I'm thinking that they're not going to be involved. Um, I, I wonder, I have a feeling that the Robo Rita plot is other Ranger teams that they've been sort of capturing that our MMPR team has to um, has to save. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't elements of once and always that will connect with Cosmic Fury. Um, so I do think that they will connect in some way. I just don't know if it's necessarily one of the Dino Fury teammates getting captured in any way. Uh, but what do you guys think in that regard? I think because the Dino Fury Rangers are going to be in space uh, doing their own mission, I think that's kind of what leads them out of the story. Uh, I'm sure they'll be referenced, but I don't think they'll be directly connected in the uh, anniversary. Um, and if anything, the... You know, we did get um, we did get not only the Illuminati teasing us about the plot of what Robo Rita is up to, but we also got ourselves official synopsis this week uh, from Dino uh, for was it um, the MMPR special? Uh, I'm trying to see if I actually saved it on my computer here did i okay yeah so the actual synopsis for it um let me move this banner for just a second um after tragedy strikes an unlikely young hero takes her rightful place among the power rangers to get revenge on the team's oldest arch nemesis um do you think the tragedy and this is something i wanted to talk a little bit more about in my official synopsis, but after sitting on this a couple of days, along with what the Illuminati is talking about, do you think that the tragedy here is the death of Trini? Or do you think the tragedy here is that global crisis that they're referring to that of Robo Rita uh, capturing these people? Or do you think it's um, two separate things? I think it's the death of uh, Trini personally. Do you have any thoughts, um, Indy? Man, I'm trying to stay so far away from spoilers. Like, I haven't paid attention to anything y'all saying. I'll <laughs> I'm just sorry, watch man. it. I'm sorry. No, nah, y'all good. I, I zoned out. <laughs> I started playing uh, Street Street Fighter Duel on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I just zoned out. No, nah, I'm to the point right now, especially with the tragedy that we had in the in the um, in the Mighty Morphin. You know what I'm saying? Family as of late, where I, I don't want to try to figure out what's going on or like wrap, wrap my head around stuff i literally want to just sit down and enjoy this like like, like when i was a kid you know because yeah. um I, I I'd, I'd be totally honest i'm still reeling a little bit from the jdf thing i was looking at i took my um my uh white ranger legacy figure off the wall the other day because i you know what i'm saying i just kept getting choked up you know what i'm saying for that it, it's just man and i i really hope it's not a especially after what we had happened i hope it's not a death that that triggers you know what i'm saying what, what what's going on I, I hope it's something different because i honestly don't want them to play with you know what i'm saying trini's death like that and use it as a catalyst i, I hope they're a little bit more respectful than that mm -hmm. there is something um you know that i 
in my head, I'm, I think of myself, I think of the sense of like the film starting off with like getting that phone call in the middle of the night that everybody hates, you know, and coming to find out um, that there's a passing. Because um, it almost seems like just the way that the the synopsis is written, it's almost like it's pretty current, you know? Like after tragedy strikes, an unlikely young hero takes her rightful place. It almost feels like, like how recent is this? Uh, or is it the case of, you know, um, men having set, you know, have, having to sit on this for quite some time that her mother is, has passed um, and now now is just now taking her rightful place among the Power Rangers? Who knows? The, the tragedy could also be, like we mentioned, right, the, the global crisis that is whatever Robo Rita is certainly dealing with. But then it says teaming up with the Power Rangers to get revenge on the team's oldest arch nemesis. There almost feels like a personal story in there somewhere in the sense of wanting to get revenge for either the death of somebody uh, or it could, like I said, it could be revenge in a sense of rescuing these Rangers from Robo Rita. The way that the synopsis plays out just makes me feel like there's a, there's a lot of personal stuff kind of going on in this MMPR special. And I don't know if I'm reading into it incorrectly or what though, but I do think it's going to be pretty emotional and, and maybe sensitive for some people. And I, uh, I am kind of curious how people would take that if that's the case though. I really do hope it's a revenge story because it's, it's something really dark that we've never seen in power Rangers. And I think it would be really cool if you had the, uh, you know, old, the old power Rangers, the original power Rangers, um, who are always the characters we're supposed to look up to, uh, if they're the ones who have to like mentor the new character and teach her that, uh, vengeance isn't the route that she should be going with this. That might be pretty intriguing. And I look, I, I know some people have pushback in the sense of like, I, like you said, Indy, right? The idea that some people are hoping that it's not revolving around a death. You know, I don't mind the idea if it's revolving around a death so much as I don't necessarily need to see it, though. Mm -hmm. You know, like if it's something that happens on screen and then now our Rangers have to deal with the emotional trauma that happens from it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty open minded to that. I mean, I think they did that pretty good with um chadwick bozeman and black panther wakanda forever right like we didn't see it we knew that something was going on but we didn't necessarily see it and it was still kind of emotional in a way for them to pay tribute and honor the man that was chadwick bozeman so i do think if, as long as they have a good balance here uh i think they can do the trini death while still paying respects and i, I think it's one of those things that you can still do that and what gives me confidence in that is Walter Jones and David Yost being attached to this project in the first place. I just can't find it within me to think that if Hasbro and the script was really disrespectful or they felt it was going to trigger some people that they would attach their names to this project. You know what I mean? Because, look, at the end of the day, death is a real thing. You know, it's uh, something that uh, we have to deal with in our own lives. And maybe some people will say, you know, but Power Rangers is supposed to be make believe and pretend and fantastical. Um, but I do think that um, sometimes it is something that has to be dealt with. Right. We we had a death in Power Rangers, Lost Galaxy, right, to having a ranger to sort of die. So it's not under the realm of possibility of actually happening. I just think it's a real life situation. And I, I hope that they handle it in the um um in in just in the right way in the appropriate way you know what i mean yeah i agree
Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, Morgan Hutchinson. We know that the DCU is rebooted by James Gunn and the other gentleman, Peter Safran. Do you see the Justice League Snyder Cut film basically being the peak of the DCEU where it was a long crossover event? And now the Flash movie is the latest from the now outgoing DCU by dabbling into the multiverse and no longer having connection to the old DCEU like it was supposed to originally. Um, you know, for me, I kind of do. Um, when I look at Justice League Snyder Cut, it does feel like the peak of the DCEU to me. Um, like like that. that's it. Like when I look at S Snyder and what he's done, I think of that DCEU as pretty much just a trilogy. Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Justice League. Those three films, that's it. Anything else that kind of came in, while I appreciated some of those films, I enjoyed Shazam. Um, Aquaman I thought was great. The first Wonder Woman movie I thought was pretty great. Uh, I enjoyed those movies, but it does feel like bigger pieces to a bigger crossover event that was the Snyderverse. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that when we get the Flashpoint movie or the Flash movie in here, um, It'll kind of out, you know, branches out to uh, a new, I don't want to say trilogy, but um, a, a new peak, if you will, for the DCU. But yeah, I kind of see the Snyder cut as like the peak of what the DCEU certainly was. But maybe that's just me. What about you guys? Yeah. Any I, thoughts, Cindy? Or Stuart, um, whoever? I feel like the Batman was, was the was the was the peak for me. If you call that. Was that but the, yeah. Do you call that the DCEU, though? The uh, Batman? I do just for the simple fact, like it, 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 it was around that Snyder cut buzz, you know what I'm saying? And everything like that and comparisons and is this in it? Is it not? Um, it, 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 it I, I don't know, man. Like so much of that was just trash to me. Like the second Wonder Woman film. I'm not hearing good things about the second Aquaman film. Uh, the best movie to me out that whole run was the first Shazam. So mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what, what we were supposed to get or what we're looking for. Yeah, the Snyder Cut was a better cut of to me a bad movie. Um that that none none of none of the Justice League stuff, none of the Batman versus Superman, none of that to me even held a candle to like Man of Steel, Shazam, like you know what I'm saying? Like like those movies. Um they were in such a rush to catch Marvel that they destroyed something beautiful that they were making. Has nothing to do with Zack Snyder. I think it has everything to do with what Warner Brothers was doing and wouldn't let him, you know what I'm saying, achieve the dream that he had. Even a, an amazing Swamp Thing television series got caught up in the whirlwind. You know what I'm saying? All that what was going on. So, no, I honestly feel like we haven't seen the peak of DC. I really feel like going mm -hmm. off this Batman film, um, Shazam 2 looks like it's really going to be good. Like I said, I haven't heard good things about Aquaman, so I feel like if the if they keep going on that type of road, I feel like they'll be perfectly fine. Um, they just need to take their time, not worry about the competition, and just worry about what they're doing and the quality of content they're putting out. Yeah, absolutely. I do think there's a a big peak coming here for uh, DC eventually. What about you, Stuart? How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I'd say um. Man, it, it depends on like what we mean by peak, because for me, uh, the peak in terms of the best like DC movie, it's like somewhere uh, or, or sorry, the best of the DCEU movies. It's like for me between like, uh, 
you know, the Suicide Squad and uh, Shazam mm. and Wonder Woman. Uh, but mm. in terms of like actually crossing characters over, actually coming together, then, you know, obviously the only two movies you have to compare with each other are the Justice League and Justice League. And I think between the two of them, definitely Justice League was the uh, was the peak out of that. Um but yeah, I, I do look forward to seeing now where this new direction comes from. And I hope that going forward, we can get more of these crossover events and it doesn't, uh, you know, and I hope that DC doesn't constantly continue to second guess themselves like they've been doing ever since, you know, the uh, Z- like like you refer to it as the Zack Snyder trilogy. I feel like that was like the biggest problem was how they were constantly qu- uh, second or, you know, second get or, you know, questioning themselves and like, uh, you know, constantly going back on plans and things like that. Yeah, I think David, Zaz- David Zaslav trusts um, James Gunn as of right now, at least. We'll see how the first uh, few films certainly does, and we'll see if he starts freaking out like uh, Warner Brothers certainly did in the past. Um, <laughs> yeah, Superman Legacy ends up being like worse than Dawn of Justice, and suddenly it's like, okay, now we're in trouble. <laughs> don't say such things, man. Um, it is being rumored that James Gunn might direct that film, so we'll see um, if we actually get an official announcement soon. Um, Kurt Marino, uh, one question for Stuart. Um, what were some of your favorite moments from the four part finale of Dino Fury, Stuart? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. I love that final battle in the four part finale. That final battle was freaking cool. Uh, something that we never really seen before in Power Rangers. Did it look the sharpest? Not necessarily, but I give them a lot of uh credit for ambition and for trying something new. Um, I also did kind of like uh how the invasion really did almost like help tie in SPD to the timeline, uh, because there's that big question of how are aliens so like you know commonly integrated into the earth in the year 25 or sorry 2025 uh i'm sure there's going to be a a bit of a retcon in once and always when it comes to that like they may say oh no no spd actually took place in 2035 or 2045 or something i don't know uh but you know regardless i do like how the seeds were kind of planted there um even if it was done in a bit of a really fast pace like kind of cheesy way of just like it takes like a couple humans doing a good thing for like the entire entire race of aliens to be like huh maybe humans don't need to be conquered it's like wait really that's all it took okay (laughs) um as cheesy as it was i did overall really enjoy that uh, aspect of it uh and let me um this is a second part here too um this is one question for adam but i do want to send this over to indy um indy do you feel michael bay ruined two franchises the first three Transformers films and then the two TMNT films, both starring Megan Fox. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he ruined those franchises? No, I think Megan Fox did. Um, <laughs> the, the, the first Transformer movie um, wasn't bad. It was a good reimagining. I think I think when it comes yeah. to something like that, um, again, it comes down to the writing and how you tell a story. You know what I'm saying? Like the this the, we, we go here a lot, but I'm going to give it to Vin Diesel. As outrageous, you know what I'm saying, as his his movies are, they revolve around one core storyline family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the stories themselves make sense. How they get from point A to point B in a car that can fly makes no sense at all. But their reasoning behind what they do and why they're doing it makes sense. The Transformer movie, movies, I feel, had no idea what the hell they wanted Optimus Prime to be. They didn't know if they wanted Bumblebee to be, you know what I'm saying, like the lieutenant, the person that's going to take over, or just a child. 
um, it, it it just seemed weird. Starscream didn't feel like Starscream. Megatron didn't feel like Megatron. I, I have no idea if, if he even watched Transformers as a kid. <laughs> so when it came to TM, TMNT, I honestly feel like those movies weren't bad. I think the thing with Turtles is they've been through so many iterations of what the Turtles are, or who they're trying to be, trying to recapture what they had in the 80s that it, it we we don't know what they're supposed to be anymore. I mean, one of the reasons we liked the movies back in the 90s was because they were simple and to the point. I mean, they were entertaining. They gave us comedy. They gave us people kicking people in the face. That's all we really needed. That's why Cobra Kai is so successful. It's entertaining. It was people kicking people in the face. Uh, the TNT, TMNT was trying to become a franchise to earn money. They wanted toys. They wanted everything. It just got caught up in the woohoo. If they would have just made the movie what it was supposed to be, it would have been cool. I had no problem with the designs. I thought the first movie was incredible. To be totally honest with you, I thought parts of the second movie was incredible. Other than Megan Fox. Um, you know what I'm saying? Stephen Amell was wonderful in the film. You know, like, it, it was it was a good story. Uh, Kang looked good. Krang looked good. I almost said Kang. You could tell I'm still in Marvel. <coughs> Krang looked good. It, it was a, it was a decent story. It was just badly done. There was no need for Megan Fox to be in there. You don't need a hot girl in every movie. I'm I'm just saying. Look, look at Bel Air, a credible TV show. <laughs> nobody on there is uber hot. Just saying. This is true. So truth. Really um, interesting comparison, Bel Air and Transformers. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think like overall the movies were like, uh, you know, the writing was kind of the biggest issue with them. Uh, I think that at mo- at times they definitely had some good, uh, some good action, some really cool directing moments. Uh, but yeah, I think the writing is what kind of, you know, killed all of them. And I think it's because they were focused more on, you know, selling toys and military propaganda than they were trying to tell a story. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what the merchandise was like for, uh, TMNT one and two, um, I am kind of curious if they if they were pretty successful their merchandise when it comes to toys or not. Uh, and I'm still a big proponent of not only the first uh, Transformers film, but I, I'm a sucker for uh, the third one, Revenge of the Fallen. Is that was the second, I think. Uh, or oh, what was the Dark Side of the Moon? That's what it was. Yeah, the Dark Side of the Moon. That was uh, that was my favorite. That was I don't want to say that was my favorite, but I enjoyed the Battle of Chicago. Uh, it was fantastic to see on the big screen. Um, who else we got uh, before I get to you, Gabriel, you might be the last just because your question is super long. Um, I do have an email from Michael from last week. He mentioned he was not able to get to his post wasn't posting in community last week. So he did email me. What is the most annoying character in any movie for you or hated? Do you have a, uh, um, well, I will say, um, Jessica Jones for me was annoying as fuck. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people really enjoyed that series. Um, and I, I appreciated Kristen, Kristen's performance, but I think one of the reasons why I couldn't get on board with it, I just, there wasn't elements to her to me, at least that was super likable, you know, uh, maybe she was purposefully meant to be that way. Um, but for me, I just found her more annoying, um, than anything else when it comes to the Jessica Jones series. So that's my gripe with um, the first season. I, I can't um, figure so yeah. out how to mute you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely an unpopular opinion for sure. But um, but yeah, for me, Jessica Jones. What about you guys? Any annoying or hated characters from a movie or series? Um, 
come back to me last. <laughs> um, do you want me to go down the list? <laughs> yeah, give lot. me like three or three to five. Give me like three to five. Three to five. Number one, Jar Jar Banks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one. A very, a very, very, very hateful. Number two, Hayden Christensen. Just in general. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no movie specifically. No movie. Yeah, no movie just specifically. Just... Um, uh, Toby, Toby Maguire in Spider-Man 3. Just in Spider-Man 3. Another reason. Just for the okay. dance scene. And April O'Neil. And uh, any TM? Just April O'Neil in general? No, no. Anything Megan Fox has been in has been utterly <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Okay. Just, just what was that know. vampire? Was it Vampire's Body? What was that? What was Whatever that it was, it didn't even be. The, oh, and Jessica Alba and Honey. I don't think I ever saw that one, but okay, maybe don't. I'll put that on my list to check. No, don't. okay, don't. Okay. That that's cultural appropriation at its best. <laughs> oh damn. Okay. <laughs> uh, what about you, uh, Stuart? Who you got? Any uh, annoying or hated <clears throat> hated characters? Oh man, right now the only one. Um, Cause like as I'm kind of like trying to think of them, it's like the only annoying characters I can think of are the ones that I can't be mad at because they're meant to be annoying. Uh, but I guess one that also technically fits under that category, but she pissed me off so much that I couldn't even care. Like if there was a reason behind it, I always hated the uh, woman from uh, T- uh, Temple of Doom. Uh, the love oh. interest in Indiana Jones Temple of uh-huh. Doom. She, uh-huh. oh my God, give me a migraine at times. Yeah, that I definitely agree with you. The screaming, the whining, the complaining. Like, woman, get out of here. Like, why are you on this adventure with me? Besides to drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you there. Um, he also asks, um, what do you think of many Asian descent filmmakers being recognized in earning awards as of late and do you feel that the success of crazy rich asians parasite and shang chi opened many more doors for asian filmmakers and entertainments to be more mainstream compared to a decade ago could this still happen if those films were box office and commercial failures if they were failures no i i don't think so um i think just because of the fact that there's always been such a running trope or just um the idea that you know asian americans can't carry a film you know that they can't be like asian leads or anything like that uh and i think the fact that we are seeing some incredible films over the past couple of years have really shown to prove that to be absolutely incorrect um um, but if they if those films were failures, I don't think that they would be getting as much recognition or at least as much limelight as they have been. But it is also going to show that there is just some incredibly talented people out there in Hollywood, um, some am- amazing um, Asian filmmakers, uh, whether that be in front of the camera or behind the camera that are finally getting their recognition. Uh, and they're doing some amazing work and it wouldn't be <laughs> We continue to see uh, it's uh, become more and more uh, at the um, um, at the award ceremonies. But you, you had your hand up, Indy. What were you going to say? I apologize. You're going to be mad at me about this, but I have to say this: Caitlin Stark, Tasha St. Patrick, Maggie Green, and Iris West. I'm good now. To, I said three to five. He had to get in his ten. He had to, <laughs> he had to get other names in there. Absolutely, I love it. Uh, Caitlin let me Stark was you. the mother in Game of Thrones, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Um, so, but let me ask you, Indy, uh, what do you think of a, a many Asian descendant filmmakers being recognized these days? And could this still happen if those filmmakers were box office and commercial failures? 
Oh, um, I, I guess he. I, no, I'm good. I caught a cramp. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. All right. What about you, uh, Stuart? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that uh, every time there's like an, every time uh, we see a, a God, how do I word this? Uh, so every time we see like uh, something that hasn't been done as often before and it becomes a success, that itself will always open the doors for more of something like that. And I think in the in terms of Asian representation, I think Crazy Rich Asians was a huge step uh, mm-hmm. for you know Asian representation in media because yeah, I mean obviously you have plenty of movies where there are going to be an there, where there is going to be an Asian main character and things like that, but it's always going to be supported by a huge white cast and things like that. Oftentimes, you know, how many times have you seen uh, the white mentor when it comes to these type of uh, movies? So I think when you have a movie that was successful, like Crazy Rich Asians, which is like an all Asian cast, you show that, hey, you don't need, um, you know, a famous white person in this movie in order for this movie to be a success. People will go to watch it regardless as long as it's a well-written movie so i think that yeah once you have a movie like crazy rich asians it opens the door for movies like uh shang chi and then shang chi's success opens up the doors for movies like everything everywhere all at once yeah absolutely it's all connected for sure um and you know and i've heard a ton of stories of like asian filmmakers and asian actors having to like change their last names uh, in order to sometimes get parts and roles, um, just because of um, just because of um, the stigma, or just because of you know the fears and uh, all that other stuff, uh, all the tropes uh, of them not being able to be successful. So hopefully that's something that will eventually come to an end. But um, they're definitely getting a lot more representation. And again, because it's they're putting great stories first, uh, and they're telling great characters and things like that also. So it's definitely all connected. Mm-hmm. One uh one other issue in terms of that, like people having to change their last names. Uh, I think that actually right now is a lot because of like AIs, because AIs have been uh is where a lot of people are picking up resumes now from, and AIs work on a algorithm, and they're going to recognize the fact that oh, you hired these people whose last name was Smith, but you didn't have uh, hire mm. this person whose last name was Wong. So it's going to recognize in the algorithm, okay, if we see someone whose last name is Wong, probably just going to skip over them that's a good point i didn't even consider that either um let's see here what else we got gabriel you're up next um this might be the last question but we'll see how we'll see how this goes it's a little long here um so i checked out amazing spider-man for the first time in 2012 that's the uh um andrew garfield film and never realized how fun it was. I really enjoyed Andrew Garfield's version of Peter Parker. The movie starting with him as a kid and already being um, already being with his parents was really great. Uh, and was something that both Toby and Tom Holland Spider-Man never did. It was such a nice change of formula since Peter as a young kid before uh, being raised by Uncle Ben and Aunt May. The high school aspects felt more realistic where Flash Thompson was, of course, the high school jock and douchebag, but was uh, also much nicer to Peter. After learning that Uncle Ben was killed, the way Uncle Ben was murdered in this version felt more realistic because Peter's first encounter with a robber was at a gas station instead of at a wrestling event. I really like the homage to the comic books where Peter fell through the ceiling of a building and landed in a wrestling studio rather than the actual WrestleMania venue. I absolutely love that Peter and Gwen were actually classmates and spoke to each other rather than just Peter following her and trying to talk to her. Um, Dr. Curtis Connor being the main antagonist in the film as Lizard was a nice change of pace. 
Um, and Gwen Stacy's father finding out about Peter was uh, Spider-Man was really interesting. And his death felt a little bit more realistic with him telling Peter to make a promise not to tell Gwen who he really was as a whole. I really enjoyed this movie. And to me, felt like this in the sequel were darker takes on Spider-Man uh, that we would later get in No Way Home during the aftermath of Aunt May. Seeing Peter wanting revenge for Uncle Ben's death was very dark and interesting way for him to become Spider-Man. Having three Spider-Men already gave us three generations of web slingers and live action cinema. This movie really was underrated and underappreciated, but also understandable since this film came out five years after Spider-Man three. My question was, has watching Spider-Man No Way Home make you appreciate Andrew Garfield as Peter a little bit more or still the same since his Spidey films came out? And would you like him to return for a future Spider-Man movie? You want to tackle this one first, Stuart? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'd say actually the uh, No Way Home itself didn't make me appreciate him a little bit more. It was more rewatching it before No Way Home uh, came out mm. that made me appreciate the movie a little bit more. Um, you know, I still have my issues with it, uh, but I think that overall, yeah, you bring up some good points. And I do think it wasn't as bad as I remembered when I watched it the first time. I think just for me, it gave me too many uh, Twilight vibes, especially with uh, mm. Andrew Garfield feeling like a little more of an emo kind of peter parker than uh, i'm used to but i think i got over that over time and now i've come to appreciate the movie for what it is um i still wish gwen's uh the death of gwen's dad was done a little bit differently because i kind of liked it more in the comic books where in the comic books he never knew uh or he never, as far as us, as the readers knew, he never knew that Spider-Man was Peter Parker, which is why as he right. died and he said, take care of Gwen, it was a huge twist. It was the big, like, what? So he knew the whole time kind of moment. And I think they, the writers of the movie robbed themselves of having a moment like mm. that. Um, and not to mention, I thought it was so weird that Peter makes a joke about Gwen's dad dying at the very end of the movie. And she thought it was hot that he made that joke. And it was just like, uh, what? What? I, I still think that last line, uh, you know, don't make promises you can't keep. Oh, but those are the best kind. I still think that was the <laughs> someone in the writer's room should have been like, um, no, this is kind of inappropriate, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> God, I forgot all about that line. I'm so glad you brought that back to my memory, though. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I, I will say, while I don't. I didn't mind the first Amazing Spider-Man. I actually appreciated it. I would agree that I do think it is underrated. Um, but I do think seeing No Way Home made me appreciate it even that much more. Um, I, I'm still not a fan of Andrew Garfield as Peter. Uh, he's just way too cool for me, man. Um, but I, I always loved his Spidey. Uh, I thought he always had some of the best wise cracks out there. Um, so I always loved his character and there were definitely elements of the first, uh, amazing Spider-Man that I was a fan of the idea of going with the lizard this time around felt unique and fresh focusing on Gwen Stacy with some great chemistry with Emma Stone. I thought really worked out incredibly well. Um, and the dynamic of seeing that, um, a story revolving around Peter's parents, I thought was unique and fresh. Also, those are all traits that I appreciated about the film the first time around, but I definitely do think as appreciating Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, I definitely came to appreciate, um, his movies a little bit more after watching no way home. It could have been a nostalgic factor, just being able to opportunity to see them all together. Um, but I think for me also just seeing the lessons that, Andrew's Peter kind of learned, you know, when he's having that moment with Tom 
uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker on the top of the building after he just lost Aunt May. You know, the parallels and the sympathy and empathy that Andrew's Peter was able to feel and express to kind of learn a little bit more about the path that he went down after we saw him in um, Spider-Man 1 and 2 definitely made me want to revisit it. And upon revisiting it, certainly appreciated those moments, certainly a lot more. And that's why I say to this day, I think No Way Home was such a proper send off for Andrew and both Toby that if we didn't get any more movies after this, I would be perfectly OK with that. And your end of your question asks, is it something that we want to see more of? Look, if they announce the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man 3, I don't think it's needed, but I would be excited for it, Stuart. Would you? Uh, maybe. I don't know if I'd be excited for it, but I'd watch it. Personally, instead of a, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3, I just kind of want to see, uh, you know, his Spider-Man face off against Tom Hardy's Venom. I feel like mm. that that Venom franchise would fit in really well in the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, you know, movies. And I don't think there's anything to um, say they can't be connected. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I get what you mean. Um, let me knock out this one last question here before we wrap up. Adam Perea. Um, he said, my, what's up, my handsome twin in cosmic fury. How do you think the Rangers defeat Lord Zed this time? And do you want him to actually be destroyed or sent back to the original timeline? Considering he is the real Lord Zed from MMPR, but just reincarnated. Do you see him being destroyed or instead see him disappear back to the original timeline? We know that the actual Lord Zed was turned human at the end of in space. If they do destroy Zed, likely nothing will happen to the timeline. Well, I don't. I don't look at him as the original, like real Lord Zed. I, I think the real Lord Zed is what you talked about at the end of in space is turned human again as it is and is very much sort of a good guy. Um, when I look at what they recreated, um, he is the Lord Zed, if you will, from a particular moment in time sort of reincarnated but i still think that the real lord zed is out there i still think that human being lord zed is certainly still out there so because of the fact that that lord zed is out there i'm expecting them to destroy him in this one um do you think they'll destroy him Stuart? and if so any ideas as to how they could potentially do that i think billy will play a part in it though um yeah i think in terms of uh, actually destroying zed um hmm. i don't know how they're gonna do it man uh i i think one of the coolest things would be if they somehow like used uh you know serpentera and you know mm. using the enemy's weapon against him i think something like that would be kind of cool uh but but yeah uh, i i also do think that he's going to be destroyed i don't know if they're going to do a timeline thing with this uh because i think like when the creature like that the one monster said oh i brought Z lord zed back from his most evil point in history i don't think he he literally meant he pulled him out of the timeline from that period just i think created, it was more created. like he created a clone from that period of uh lord zed if that makes sense yeah, no, I, I I agree with you too. So um, I think because of that, I think is why I think they'll destroy him because I think we already have a Lord Zed established in continuity as a real, you know, not a human being, but you know, he's he's had his story told and wrapped up, and we haven't really bothered him in in those years. So yeah, I think this Lord Zed will be destroyed. Um, 
Uh, but who knows? I think we're still getting that Billy cameo in Cosmic Fury. So maybe he gives our Rangers uh, some intel uh, in regards to that. Or maybe he gives them the location of Serpentera or uh, whatever the case may be. Who, know, who knows? But um, maybe he'll have a role to play. Seeing how they brought in, you know, the Morphin Masters from the comic books. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know they, they were established in the show before that. But, you know, seeing how they originally were brought back in the comic books um do you think we'll get a uh, lord zed's backstory from the comic books in uh cosmic fury mm. i don't know i uh, some tells me no but you never know man um i just feel like they have really tried to avoid bringing the comics in as much as possible but you know they did bring in the morphing masters um, which, I mean, look, they were already, I think, an, a, a initially created in the first MMPR um, season, I believe, um, maybe updated a little bit more. But um, I I don't know, Stuart. I don't, I don't know if they would do that or not. Uh, my thing would just be if like for me, if this isn't the real Lord Zed, I don't know how much you want to go back into his past. You know what I mean? Hmm. I I, I see it more as like kind of know your enemy and then learn his weaknesses oh. that way kind of a thing. As a possibility, it's definitely a possibility for sure. We'll see how they uh how they play that up though. Um, all right. Um, so that will wrap up all of our live viewer questions. If anything, Nicole, we will begin uh, a live viewer question video for you at your comment. So we'll go from Nicole Robertson all the way up to Alexander Rosario, uh, who submitted them in. Um, I don't know what your schedule is like, Stuart. I don't know if that's something that you might be able to tackle in front of as far as a live viewer questions video this week. Um, but we'll see. If not, I can I can do one for sure. Yeah, I think I should be able to have time to record one uh, tomorrow. I'll uh, keep you posted. Yeah, keep me posted, uh, and we'll definitely uh, knock that out for you guys. So definitely expect a live viewer question video, if not tomorrow, uh, then by Tuesday at the latest, uh, coming from myself or Stuart. So yeah, Nicole Robertson, you're up first, and we'll go ahead and wrap up everything else. Uh, but other than that, guys, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I know Indy certainly had to go, so I do apologize about that, guys. Um, he So Stuart, he suggested Super Chats get their answered live. In regards to live viewer questions and page subs, get their questions answered in a separate video. Hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, I could think we could do something like that. Um, we could also do it like, um, you know, one question for free. But if you want to ask additional questions during the live viewer questions, those will be the super chats. We could do something like that, too. Yeah, that might be another option uh, that we certainly might have. Um. You know, maybe if they do submit live viewer questions, maybe we only select five at a time. Um, so you never really know whether or not your question is going to get answered. So if you do want to make sure it gets answered, maybe a super chat. Um, and then if you're lucky, maybe we'll pick it up, uh, you know, pick out five questions from live viewer questions as a whole. I don't know. We'll play around with it. We'll play around yeah. with it a little bit. Um, but we definitely have some some options here. But, um, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, we've got some great content coming your way the rest of the week. Uh, again, we got Indy on his Flash 
um, currently right now for the final season. He'll be giving you an episode six review later on this week. We also have two DC television shows beginning. Superman and Lois season three drops. Um, Stuart will be giving you his reviews Thursday morning along with Gotham Knights, uh, which will be being reviewed by myself. You can expect uh, Gotham Knights reviews Wednesday evening, guys. Um, so we got three um, three weekly um, shows for you guys. Also, The Mandalorian live. Uh, do my reviews for The Mandalorian Season 3 live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. So certainly join me there. So plenty of content uh, along with additional content throughout the week for you guys to certainly keep your eye on. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, hit that subscribe button, guys. It definitely does certainly go a long way. Uh, and if you want to support the channel in any way, whether that be on Facebook or YouTube, it certainly will go towards technology upgrades, more convention coverage, and hopefully being able to uh, pay these jobs gentlemen for the incredibly uh, hard work that they certainly do around here so um guys other than that i think that's everything we got for you guys today Stuart, if people want to find you on social media where can they find you sir you guys can follow me at turbos 201 over on twitter and on instagram Excellent, man. Uh, and if you guys want to go ahead and follow us um, on social media, you can do so right up here at the top. A plus opinions, very active over on social media. Um, you can check us out on Twitter, um, Instagram, as well as Facebook, uh, where we post all of our main news. Uh, but other than that, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Um, we'll see you guys next weekend. But in the meantime, do us a big favor as always. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And keep it A+. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.